You've gotten good. I've had to. So what have you been doing in the past 50 years, Ingrid? Traveling, mostly. Traveling? Or running? Both. After the war, I spent a few years in Israel with the Mossad. And then a couple of years in England with special services and then with the CIA. You had good teachers. The best. So what Breslau was saying about the murders was true? They weren't murders. They were assassinations. There's a difference. The end result is the same. Yes, but some people deserve to die. That's the difference. Must be quite a responsibility being judge, jury and executioner. You think I want to do what I do? I don't know what to think. I've only killed the ones who needed it. How many? Not enough. Tiger, welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast <laughs> where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe, and this week is no different. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Tiger uppercut. Do you think that was his special move, Dick Tiger? Yeah, the Tiger uppercut. That's where it got his name. Tiger. <laughs> These are Street Fighter jokes. Sagat. <laughs> Saget. Saget. That's right. Yeah, Bob, Bob Saget. Sagat. Bob Sagat. <laughs> my, my favorite uh, home video host slash street fighter. Slash vulgar comedian. That's right. <laughs> that is right. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, before we hop into this week's episode, which is going to be episode nine, The Valkyrie, or Valkyrie. The Valkyrie. Uh, we thought we'd kick things off with a little game. And so we're going to be playing the old Highlander catalog game. And so, Eamon and Kyle, I'm going to read you a item description from the 1999 Highlander catalog. And based on the description and the picture, you are going to try to guess how much that item costs. Whoever gets closest gets to give their star rating first at the end of the episode. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Ready. All right, guys. This week, we're going to be talking about Amanda's Kelly Purse. Excuse me? That's right. Amanda's What's, Kelly Purse. This is, is like Ruth, uh, Ruth Chris, Ruth's Chris, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Steakhouse. Amanda's know, Kelly Purse. Do you know the origin of that? Uh, I feel like I heard it at some point and did not commit it to memory. What some is it, Some woman Kyle? named Ruth bought an existing business called Chris's Steakhouse, and it burned down at some point. She reopened it, but wanted to specify that this was her version of Chris's Steakhouse. That's why it's Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. That's the dumbest <laughs> yeah, thing it's, Oh, ever. to be clear, it is dumb. The fact that that became like a national chain of mediocre steakhouses it's, is it's like baffling. baffling that it's nobody was like, baffling. yeah, this is a great Go product. Why don't we change the name to something that's like intelligible? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm baffled that steakhouses still exist. I was at the Palm once and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> and it's so expensive. Outback, baby. <laughs> All those oh. like high end steakhouses, at least in Philadelphia, get fucking panned by like the local food critics. It's like because 80s it's like food. Well, that's they it. cook the steaks in a pan. Yeah, that's, right. yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> but it's like it's food for rich people that don't know what good food is. I think that's kind of the idea I always thought. Like they just want to buy something expensive and like flaunt their shit. Yeah, mm. and anyway. I, uh, invariably get a well done steak. That's right. <laughs> those fucks on a side of asparagus with yeah. ketchup. That's right. Delicious ketchup. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I like. Is this a joke about our president? Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
I like the Ted Turner Steakhouse that used to be in Center City. You ever go there? Isn't that Wait, all I don't gone? Remember that. It's What's gone. That? Yeah, Ted's uh, Montana Grill, the Bison place. That was Ted Turner's. That was Ted yeah. Turner. I had no idea. I remember that uh, that building. Yeah, right. He like lost his battle with who is his old rival, Rupert Murdoch, probably. Okay. He like lost that and was just like, screw it. I'm out of media. I'm gonna open a bunch of steakhouses. Huh. I'm me- out of media. I'm gonna get into media. Yeah. Hey, oh. oh, the tables were covered in paper. So when I was in art school, me and my friends would go there and draw on the tables. Ah, like an adult uh, like Denny's That's placemat. Right. <laughs> We'd bring our own Denny's placemats. And draw on them and draw on, on the paper. <laughs> That's right. Well, today we're talking about Amanda Kelly's purse. Perfect. Perfect. Is Kelly's purse, is that like a term of art that I don't know? You're about to learn. All right, you guys ready for this description? I'm Sock ready to, to learn. <laughs> At the 1954 Academy Awards, Best Actress nominee Grace Kelly, P.S. from Philadelphia, accidentally left her purse in the limo. Amanda, there is Cary Grant's date, graciously lent the actress hers. While accepting her Oscar for her role in The Country Girl, every fashion-conscious female in the country noticed the simple but elegant purse draped on her famous shoulder. Her famous Famous. shoulder. (laughs) She's not famous, but that shoulder... That's right. Choice. A fad was born. Ours pays homage in an urban chic license plate wrapped around an inner tube body with removable strap. (laughs) Excuse me? Yeah, I'm just picturing a life preserver. So what it is, here, I'll, I'll hold it up. In the corner of this picture down here... All right, come on. They're 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 two very... They're like very small purses. Like, you might only be able to fit like three things in there. So it's a tiny yeah. little cute and purse. And does that have a... Is that made of a license plate, too? Yeah. All this... This whole page is license plates. So, so wait. Did Grace this... Kelly have a license plate purse? I don't think so. I just think she had a tiny purse. I, I actually should have researched... I, sh- I should have researched <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, this what really, a, this really merited Kelly more of Grace time. Kelly have a Highlander license plate purse? <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, so anyway, so they're these tiny little purses wrapped in either the Highlander license plate or the Watcher license plate. They look like it has sharp edges, too, so oh, watch you out. Could, you could... It's a wet. It's Wax. for self-defense. Whack somebody over the head. With All right, that. Eamon, you're going to go first. How much do you think the Grace Amanda's like? Also, uh, this description Amanda's that is inserted Kelly Amanda into the 1954 Academy Awards. Is this an, in an episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that's this is weird. is this canon, guys? Is this it has is to, the catalog canon? Because that's like oftentimes they don't get into like story elements. So like in Cannon Amanda's log. Watcher Chronicles, is this the first catalog item that has like story elements in it? It might. Be? It's the first one that, that we've remember. read. Yeah. We can all agree that the chess set is canon. Yeah. But a purse? <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you got, Eamon? How much do you think the Grace Kelly purse is with a license plate wrapped around an inner tube? <laughs> My God. Uh, 39.98. All right. 39.98. Good, good call on the 98. Kyle. All right. So I am trying to remember how much these other license plate ones cost. Because <laughs> I have to imagine it's comparable. But I'm a goldfish, and no one can remember this. I'm going to guess it's $42. $42, and Eamon, you guessed 30... $39.98. Actual retail price. My guess was too close to Eamon's, but whatever, good. Are these priced to own? No. I'm just going to ask that every I time. I mean, they're priced for a goddamn Princess Grace Kelly to own, so Ooh. yes. Actual retail price, sixty nine ninety five. What? But it's little. <laughs> yeah. 
It's real little. Yeah, but that there you go. I'll give you the. Uh, you can look at it now up close. Is it inner tube made out of platinum? <laughs> right. Pays homage in an urban chic license plate. Good gravy. Let me see this thing. It pays. And there's pl- a giant hinge on it. Nothing says elegance like a hinge. I know. Like these. Could you ever imagine Grace Kelly wearing this? No. Yeah. These are hideous. <laughs> the, like these are gross. <laughs> like at least the backpacks. Like I don't know. They're not trying to be high fashion. Like this. Prop- to be so is this like they made a bunch of these license plates and they were like what are we going to do with these slap, slap, them on hi- shit. slap hinges on them yep. yeah. apparently i think we've talked about this before like i my theory is that there's a company out there that affixes license plates to things like that's the, like any sort of custom license plate you want they probably just hooked up with them and were like yo we got this highlander swag and i don't think i've ever seen like license plate fashion before this catalog good point really yeah. it didn't catch on shocking <laughs> <laughs> yeah the car is still like uh, the convi- car still get some all the convicts make good these license plates. Like, definitely <laughs> highlander is involved in slave labor yeah the prison industrial complex <laughs> affects even the immortals we're getting political baby that's right well abolish private prisons Political babies. <laughs> Political babies. They're doing a thing for you. It's, no it's baby. It's, no it's, it's baby Joe Biden. Well, let's talk about the politics of the 1940s, guys. Let's Ooh. talk about season five, episode nine. This week's episode is the Valkyrie or the Valkyrie. This episode was first aired January 21st, 1997. It was directed by Richard Martin, who we met at the convention. Cool dude. So at 19, he directed a documentary for the National Film Board of Canada, entered the experimental film arena in the early 80s with his film Diminished, and was an honorable mention at the 9th Northwest Film and Video Festival. This is his very first of nine Highlander episodes, and this was actually his very first episode for TV, period. Which I think is pretty good. This is a good episode. He, like, kind of dominates the, like final act of highlander essentially um he also did nina nina (laughs) he also did ninja turtles the next mutation is that the one with chick turtle chick turtle uh i believe so i think i think she's venus is that her name venus i believe so so she's named after i assume the the statue not an artist or maybe it's the birth of venus maybe she's named after an artifact not an artist yeah although i guess that makes sense i mean there's not a lot of, I mean, I don't know a lot of well-known female artists from that time. From the Renaissance? Yeah, because yeah. I suppose there weren't many, but maybe there are that are, you know. I should know this. There are, but they're not well-known. Yeah. If Their smash the patriarchy. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that's see, and this was a missed opportunity, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, they could have brought inspi- a female artist to, you could to have prominence through yeah. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, instead you brought a bunch of porn artists to prominence <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> through Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, he also directed ni- uh, 1998's Airbud Golden Receiver, yes. uh, which starred the late Tim Conway. Um, and he also did some other episodic work, videos, and movies. Tracker. That's right, Tracker. Yeah. The other Adrian Paul series where he plays the exact same character, <laughs> but not immortal. That's right. Perfect. Oh, he was a second unit director on Battlefield Earth. Was he really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Whoa. That's the amazing Tom Cruise, L. Ron Hubbard movie. Tom <laughs> Cruise. I keep on doing that. John Travolta. Yeah, he's well, not in They're that. both famous Scientologists. Yeah. With Forrest Whitaker as well. Yes, Forrest Whitaker. The ghost dog himself. And is what's his name in that? Is uh, the Busey in that? The Busey. The Busey. Gary Busey? No, the son. I can't remember. Oh, I think he might play. Or am I thinking of Starship Troopers? You're thinking of Starship Troopers. Yeah, I forget the guy who's the star of 
Battlefield Earth. Interesting. A lot of dreadlocks in it. A lot of dreadlocks. Anyway, this episode was written by James Thorpe. This is his second of eight episodes. Uh, we first saw his work the other week in Money No Object. Money No. Money No. Money No. We got some guest stars. We got Fulvio. <laughs> Fulvio. Fulvio. Sacere. This is like a really bad, like romance novel cover artist he's like the bobo version of that oh boy he's like the purse knockoff of fabio fabio uh he plays alan wilkinson uh he was in the flash sg1 he also played the character tony in the highlander episode see no evil i don't hey, i don't remember tony. that character at all but you don't love her the beloved character tony nope uh he's 183 imdb credits that's a lot of IMDb yeah he's uh, done a lot but he, all like kind of small parts and stuff I yeah mean, nothing against that but like that's a lot done a lot, done a lot. Yeah. he's working he's Sounds working like you have a problem with it no i yeah, don't I, so, I, how do you really feel I, I took pause just because i'm like oh but like nothing you might recognize him from because like he isn't starring in a ton of stuff he's mm. always like mm. some support all right all right <laughs> okay. this episode said he was in watchman as agent forbes that's right don't remember that character yeah mm. a lot of these like canadian actors were in watchman we had who was the guy who played nixon he was in an episode just oh recently. yeah oh yeah he right. was yeah this episode also guest stars martin evans as colonel stoffenberg uh, he's been in macgyver x-files sg1 of course all vancouver shows l harvey gold as igor stavanovich and patrick keating as hitler Har- yeah Har- Harvey Gold was in Watchmen too. What was he? The New Frontiersman editor. Oh, how about oh, that? that guy? Yeah. Huh. Gotta be weird playing Hitler. Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> how yeah, long I, do you I think he had to rock the Hitler stash. Or is it prosthetic? Or not prosthetic, you know. I think he grew it because in the special features they say he came in with the Hitler mustache to the audition. Nuts. Yeah. Because they were like, we thought we'd have to fly somebody in from LA to do a Hitler because you know, who are we going to get in v- Vancouver? I guess, you know, because acting pool is smaller. But no, this guy apparently came in and they said, knocked it out of the park. That's our Hitler. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Producer Zero Mustel. That's right. Yeah, they didn't go with a, uh, a Dick Sean character for Hitler, which would have been that something. Been amazing. <laughs> All of the new flowers. <laughs> Only the... God protects the Fuhrer, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You're a German. <laughs> <laughs> so, Germans. so the IMDb episode description reads... In flashback, Duncan and immortal Ingrid tackle the Nazis in 1935 Germany. In modern day, Ingrid has assassinated a Russian politician, and Duncan wants to stop her from killing her next target, an American white power advocate. I like white power advocate. Yeah, right? Interesting. I'm a white power advocate. It just kind of takes the edge off it a little bit, (laughs) calling it a white power advocate. Advocate? Yeah, I think advocacy is a with positive things. Yeah. An advocate for social change, an advocate for justice, an advocate for white power. Yeah. yeah. One of those doesn't seem right. No. So, guys, let's talk about how this opens. The cold open is in this hotel room, and this is a weird thing. I was like, oh, this is some of that footage from Warmonger or something. <laughs> I was like, weren't they watching a speech or something on TV then? Oh, yeah. And for some reason, I was convinced. I was like, maybe this is it. As no. I continued to watch, I then was like, this is 100% from Warmonger. No, it's not at all. I went back and watched Warmonger. And I was like, this isn't even close. I have no idea why my head was like, this is the same stuff. It's not. But we got this guy, Igor Stavanovich. He's watching his own speech. Which is, one, creepy, and two, it is the most poorly filmed speech. You filmed this. It's like at a A a weird angle. angle. It's like like filmed in a bathroom. (laughs) Why are your videographer, Igor (laughs) Stavanovich? Jesus. Igor. So he goes to bed. Uh, I feel like he's kind of like a Boris Yeltsin-looking guy. Maybe not, though. All right. 
Are you saying Russians all look alike? No, I thought they, the look they gave this guy. Anyway, but like he's giving this speech in front of like the old Russian flag, like the sickle and hammer. Mm-hmm. I fill their bellies with something other than food. Right. Hate. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, oh, they can hate Muslims, Jews. Who else is he hating on? Chechens. Chechens. So anyway, he goes off to bed and there's a knock on the door and his guard answers and it is this woman, Ingrid. And she's like, oh, like I'm here to see Igor. And he's. I don't know. She's like, you can search me like I got nothing to hide. She shows that she's wearing a very skimpy, like, lingerie sort of number. He's like, he's going to bed. Then I'm ready on time. (laughs) Right. And then, in response to her offer to search her, he does not. Well, I think it's because, like, she shows, like, there's no way I'm hiding anything. But she is hiding something. (laughs) She's hiding a not small gun. (laughs) And this guy's just like, okay. Okay. This is the world's worst bodyguard. (laughs) When she comes in, she's like... I'm here to see Mr. Stefanovich, and he's like, impossible. He's about to go to bed. Right. And I'm yeah. like, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> that makes it impossible. Right. <laughs> the tyranny of the clock. So this, of course, is like, I guess, awake, not even wakened. He just disturbed, you know, Igor. And so he comes out to see what all the, What's the fuss going is about. On? And she pulls out a gun, shoots him, and then the guard shoots her. And goes to call the police or whatever. And, and there's then this she wakes horrible up. ADR of the guard saying the same thing into the phone over <laughs> and over again. Over and over and over again. Send an ambulance. <laughs> so then she wakes up because, uh-oh, she's immortal. And she blasts the guard as well. For why? Just because he saw her, I guess? I guess. And I guess she wants to make an escape. And I guess if he's not dead, he's in her way. Perhaps. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. And then we see her walk away for an hour, basically. This shot of her leaving never ends. (laughs) Uh, But then the uh, the recording keeps playing, now starts back up, I guess, on the TV. So over this, like, death, we now hear Igor's, like, hateful Mm. rhetoric and shit on the TV. So I thought this was an effective little opening here. Yeah. That's the cold open. Cut to a boxing match. That's right. Lots of quick cuts and stuff. They got a, I don't know, I thought this looked pretty good. Yeah, I've come to the conclusion that boxing is insufferable. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, just like the way people talk about boxing has become such a trope. And that is what Joe and Mac are doing. They're like talking about old boxers like they're in like a barber shop or something. And Mac says, he was a middleweight champion. He hit like a mule. He hit like a mule. And Mythos is just like, what the fuck's going on here? He's like, who this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or who dat? Yeah. Dick Tiger, eh? All right. I thought this was actually kind of, the dialogue was set up funny. He has no idea who these fucking people are. With nonsensical names. Right. And then, of course, Mythos quips, like, the Marquis of Queensbury would be very proud of this. And then Joe's like, who dis? Like, <laughs> which was good. But then, anyone look up the Marquis of Queensbury? Sakatumi. Oh, boy. We got some, some dirt on this guy. He was... A Scottish nobleman, uh, remembered for his atheism, his outspoken outspoken views, his uh, brutish manner, and for lending his name to the Queensberry rules that form the basis of modern boxing, which is pretty interesting. But then he's also known for something else, which is far more awful, uh, and for his role in the downfall of Irish author and playwright Oscar Wilde. Oh. So uh, apparently, I have some more info, I won't read all of this or whatever but i guess uh he um got in a public spat with oscar wilde over one of his plays and i guess this play featured a villainous atheist as one uh. of the characters and this guy had started this like uh the secular society i don't know it seems like he's a fairly interesting person who is also like an asshole like there are a lot of those uh <laughs> So he, like, got in this, you know, public feud with Oscar Wilde over his treatment of an atheist in this play. And then years later, the Marquis of Queensbury's son was, I guess, appointed to the House of Lords. But he wasn't. 
Like, it should have, I guess, been the Marquis of Queensbury first. Mm-hmm. They skipped him because he was a dickhead. <laughs> so then his son was involved, but then his son uh, had a relationship with Oscar Wilde. So he would write these, like, horrible... Like, Oscar Wilde took him to court for mm-hmm. libel over some of this, like, awful, awful shit that he did. And The I guess Marquis he, or the Marquis' son? The, the, for the Marquis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, and he was like, you corrupted my son because you had an affair with him, this and that. Anyway, it sounded uh, brutally awful <laughs> what he did to Oscar Wilde. Though, great. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy. Marquis of Queensbury. Boxing. But he apparently invented the boxing rules, so there we go. Joe and Mac, like, want to sponsor some boxing shit? Like, there's some, like, kind of, I don't want to say throwaway lines, but they're talking about, like, you really want to sponsor this? And they're talking, like, oh, well, Charlie used to box and spend his Well, this is, like, the Charlie DeSalvo Memorial Boxing Competition. Right. I don't know who's sponsoring this, or... I I don't know. I assume his rich friend, McLeod. Yeah. Yeah, but... Who got is like, you want to sponsor this? Right. So I don't know. It's confusing. And it's interesting also, like, Mythos is really like, yeah, I don't, I don't really go for blood sport, which of course, in maybe the next episode will be an even starker contrast to what he used to do. Well, he goes for blood. He doesn't go for blood sport. <laughs> right. He actually just doesn't like Jean Claude Van Damme, is the real problem. It's, it's the Charlie DeSalvo <laughs> Memorial Kumite. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, they get the buzz, and Mac's friend Ingrid walks in. Mythos is like, I don't fucking mess around with anybody, so I'm just leaving. And he's like, okay. And then Joe's, like, just sitting there. And Mythos is like, you got to come with me. Like, what the fuck? You just going to bail on me? So then Joe leaves. It's like, Joe, what the fuck? Like, your literal job, again, is to watch watch Mac. Mac. And some unknown immortal just walked into this place, and you're like, I'm going to leave, too. It's like, this is, like, the the only time you should be like, I'm absolutely staying to see what's (laughs) about to happen firsthand. You know, my job. My job. So Mac meets his old friend Ingrid, and we get a flashback to 1935 Berlin. Mac is working for British intelligence, and him and Ingrid are dancing in a restaurant club sort of place. Mac has a mustache. Mac does have a mustache. Yeah. They do the exposition waltz. I, I thought it was good that they were dancing while they were doing the exposition. Yeah. So effective staging. They're uh, discussing Hitler's chances. Right. You're a British intelligence officer. I'm so glad we could talk about this during this song. Right. Well, I think, Kyle, you asked earlier, like, well, why did they set so much of this in 1935? Earlier? In the episode description. Oh, in the episode the description. description. I see. But I think it's important, like, the idea, because this is all about, like, the rise of certain people to power. Uh, so then this young kind of kid comes in, and he is, like, all bloodied up. And we find out that he was just talking on a street corner, and some brown shirt shitbirds beat the shit out of him. A lot of shits in that sense. Yeah, a lot of shits, but uh, they're bad people. Yep. And they come in after him, and Mac decides to beat the shit out of them yep yeah mac decides that he's gonna he's he's just craving some justice apparently yeah he really like doubles down they're like oh are you like this jew's friend and he doesn't even admit to that he's like nope i'm his brother and then (laughs) just starts smashing nazis i think i said before in the episode with damler was that mortal sins Mm -hmm. that like i could just watch mac beat the shit out of (laughs) nazis Nazis. all the time So, you know, this scratches a certain itch for me. Yep. We get a pretty cliched, cliched, cliched line. He's like, say hi to Hitler for me as he like. What is that? <laughs> what, what, they think this guy knows Hitler. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he actually just says that anytime he meets a German person. <laughs> right. Uh, but we get some like con- conflicting interests here because Ingrid and even the kid are like, yeah, I don't know if that was like the best. A good move, idea. Because yeah. like that's just going to bring more of these guys on this place. But uh, I guess the bartender disagrees. He gives Mac a free beer. You yeah. Know? Mac have a hidden knife. He does. But that's right. <laughs> That all knife. Yeah. I'm like, like, holy fuck. Like a, I don't know, like a spring-loaded thing, a knife pops out, which seems like an escalation to me. Right. But 
Uh, so now we're back to the boxing match in the present. Um, and some creepy looking dudes come in. They look like, uh, you know, they're police officers or something. And Ingrid looks worried. And so she pulls the fire alarm to evacuate the building. Yeah, not suspicious at all. Nope. That one. What is her accent? Like, is it just a German accent? I think she just has a German accent. Is when it? she says denominator, she says denominator, and she says it like Janine from Ghostbusters. She says denominator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's like a record scratch when Duncan <laughs> fights the Nazis. That's right, there is. <laughs> they go back to Max Loft. That's right. They it always goes back to Loft. Ghostbusters and t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're like our two touchstones. Nor- They're our North Star. So you want to tell me what happened back there? She doesn't want to tell him anything, really. She makes up some excuses, like, oh, like, I was just staying at the same hotel that Russian oligarch or whatever he was was at. And I have password problems. I think that's why they're after me. Yeah, I didn't even know his name. Which, of course, she immediately gets caught in a lie. We didn't think she is very bad at this. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, how have you done this for so long? She immediately says, like, what do you have to do to get a drink around here? And then at some point she's like, well, you know. The world's a much better place without Igor What's-His-Face. And he's like, I thought you said you didn't know his name. And then she's like, oh, I gotta go, bye. Right. I <laughs> think I heard it. Bye. Yeah, yeah, bye. Yeah. What's with people in the show and not finishing drinks? Yeah. Nobody can finish a drink. She, she orders the drink and then leaves. She ordered yeah. it five seconds ago. <laughs> so now we cut to a park and Mythos and Mac are walking. Uh, weird, like, just observance here. Like, I remember doing this as a kid, like, walking to get the paper. That's what they're out to do. Like, what an right. odd thing now to think of. To like, I have to leave the house and go get the paper from a machine on the street. Like, Why don't they just get it delivered? Is Mac just not a regular subscriber? Maybe not. But they're both getting papers. <laughs> right. From two different machines. Maybe they have different do tastes. They, do they the... read different? <laughs> Mythos is a New York Post kind of guy. Oh, boy. So Mythos is asking about Ingrid. He's like, yeah, like, why are they after her or whatever? And I was like, why does he know? Like, I guess Mac has filled her in. Because I was like, why does he know any of this? He left. I guess they've been walking to get that newspaper. That's right. You got to talk, talk. Talk, talk about something. So there's some funny dialogue. I guess there's an ad for a Greek antiquities something show. Can't wait. A 2,500-year-old garage sale. <laughs> but, but then Mythos is like, oh, maybe that stuff's mine. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But then Max sees an ad for, what is it called here? It's an ad for the New Freedom Party. Alan Wilkinson speaks out Tuesday, September 25th, and then it says Seacouver Community Center. Oh. This now is, I think, the very first mention of Seacouver ever. Yeah. yeah. Now is the time for white America to stand up, it says. Some uh, chilling things in this episode. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Are still relevant. Unfortunately, still relevant. Yeah. So How Maxi- many years later is this? 20, uh, 20 plus. Five years. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Max sees this ad and he's like, oh, fuck. Uh, so he's kind of putting some pieces together and he's like, I got to go. So now we cut to the location of this rally. And it took me a minute to realize, like, this is the community center is the same place the boxing match was at. You know, the community uh, center yeah. that has right. enough room for a boxing ring. Yeah. Well, I guess this, might. Be, this is a nice community center. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, in, in the first scene, I was wondering, like, well, why is Ingrid at a boxing match? And I couldn't really figure it out. She's, it's because it's the uh, same location and she's, like, she's figuring out. staking it out. Exactly. Mm, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. That's right. So he's giving this, like, gross speech about, like, it's now it's the time for white America to stand up. And it's like, oh, yeah, I heard that a couple weeks ago on fucking news. Great. Like, neat. To remember who's sweat built this nation oh, slaves hmm. yeah slaves i did <laughs> actually that what he means that's probably what he means <laughs> right uh i did laugh out loud at some point they're like uh sir we need a mic check and he just goes over to the mic and he's like 
white is right. It's like, that's the mic check like line. It's like, you don't want to just do like test, 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 one, two, three. But then he's like, how's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, and the sound guy just goes, deplorable, next. Yeah. <laughs> but that sound is yeah. coming through, mm-hmm. baby. Hit your T's a little softer, bud. Yeah. But otherwise, you're good. We need a pop filter on this thing <laughs> for all the power. So Ingrid comes in with the intention of assassinating Wilkinson. And Mac, of course, knows what's up. And he's trying to stop her. And she's like, you're my friend. Get out of my way. And I like this. He's like, no, I'm your friend. That's why I'm in your way. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty good. Yeah, eventually, I guess one of the, the security guards sees that there's some something's brewing over here. And so he goes running. And so she drops like the mic in the mic. She dropped the mic. She dropped the mic. She drops the gun in Mac's hand. And goes, like, ah, he has a gun. <laughs> right, and runs off. Uh, so then Mac is left kind of defending himself like, oh, shit. Oh, one thing I did notice, uh, if anyone, it, it was hard to hear some of his speech in the, the background. Wilkinson at some point says something along the lines of like, we believe in a white, white God. God. Yeah, and I was like, he says. what the fuck? Like, a white god, okay. Like, yeah, Jesus, that Middle Eastern white guy. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of uh, the Boondocks. There's a great episode where I guess it's all about like appropriating Martin Luther King's image and other people like Gandhi and stuff. And I remember the preachers like, let's pray to white Jesus. And yeah. like, they keep it, like, they always specify, <laughs> we're, like, we're, we're praying, praying to white, white Jesus, Jesus today, yeah. which is good. So now we cut later at this rally location in the community center, and Mac is being grilled by the like lead inspector here, who's quite the character with the world's most. Yeah insane voice just like a Ricard- tv's bugged. ricardo montaba yeah. <laughs> are you a writer of fiction mr mcleod <laughs> so it's very like noir writing i think uh it's kind of funny because uh, i don't know this show delves into noir more often than i usually think it would say that again that it like delves into like noir territory like i kind of always forget like may- i don't know like the movie is very noir super noir and the the, the first season of the show was pretty noir in a lot of ways like with the detective plots the voiceovers like it kind of goes to that well more often than i think i remembered it going uh because this guy seems like he's right out of a an old movie or something so so mac is like recounting this tale about like this woman came in she gave me the gun blah 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 i don't i don't don't know who she is yeah i don't know and he's not buying any of it right well that's the thing he sort of is though because despite catching him with a gun, he did not arrest Mac. No. You want him to talk? You know what you do? You arrest him and fucking charge him until he talks. Right. There was also another instance here. The <laughs> This inspector is like, nothing is impossible and nothing is what it seems. And then he starts cackling. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, are you like a fucking like wizard in a video game? Like, this is insane dialogue. Usually when a man stops an assassin, they pay more attention. Uh, so there's no prints or anything on the gun. Because I'm weird. I went back and checked that she's, like, wearing gloves. So they're right. Like, don't bother looking for prints. Yeah. Any thorough investigator would right. just not bother not to check bother. the gun. Because <laughs> nobody's ever made a mistake or messed nope. up. Not even once. It is about murder. <laughs> so we cut back to the loft. It took me so long to figure out why Interpol, like, why, I was like, why is this guy's accent here? I know, and right? Someone the line he drops so that he's from Interpol. And I'm like, do you really have jurisdiction here? I like, thought the same thing. Can you just show up in a place and suddenly he's just, I don't know. I was like, what the fuck yeah, is yeah, this? I, I, my theory is no. <laughs> right. This seems like a <laughs> local crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we go back to the loft and we're getting into the territory of some spacey synth music in these upcoming episodes. Did anyone notice like, I was like this is like sci-fi music? It's like, 
Uh, there's a lot of sax music in this season. That... Oh, every se- establishing shot is like this se- sexy sax lick. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's time to get going. And then it's just normal shit. Uh, anyway, so Matt gets the buzz heading up to his place. Uh, this is the first use of the uh, like slowed down footage, I guess, of uh, the buzz, which is Richard Martin's uh, trademark, I guess, mm. he brought to the show. Whereas like Clay Boris was the uh, the dolly the push, push yeah. in because uh, other people were just doing a zoom and he was like no zooms look like shit you got to push in but richard martin was like let's do a 12 second film speed works for me anyway so now we get some kind of more details i guess this is the the clip at the top of the episode where she's like these weren't murders like i've been murdering my way across europe these are assassinations but she thinks is a different animal altogether and I guess they are in a way. I guess an assassination is a type of murder. Yes. Right. It's like a rectangle square kind of thing. Um, Every assassination is a murder, but every murder isn't an assassination. There you go. That's it. That's That's exactly it. Oh, but Max says, must be quite a responsibility being judge, jury, and executioner. (sighs) And I'm just like... Okay, Mac. (laughs) Yeah, right? He does it on a weekly basis, and he's done it to a world... Like a dictator before, yeah. In what was perhaps the most controversial decision Mac has ever made, right? In his defense, though, she does scream, "I am the law" a lot. (laughs) Oh wait, I'm getting confused. I'm sorry. That's that's Stallone. She's Sylvester Stallone. Mm -hmm. This Ingrid is played by Stallone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the law. I'm the law. So Mac is like, it never was this easy for you to kill. And then we get a flashback. I love this transition. This is like a crazy composite shot where they like zoom in on the window, then the window turns red. Then the Nazi insignia, the swastika, appears. Then Mac enters the frame, and then the red window turns to a solid red of the flag. flag. Like they spent a bunch of time breaking this shot down. It's a really like trail of breadcrumbs from one to the other. Also, question for our German listeners out there, because I know some people have written in uh, about like how the show aired in Germany. Like the restriction on showing a swastika on TV still existed at this point, and in the episode "Mortal Sins." They basically never show it. I think we like caught a slight glimpse of a swastika. They tried to use just kind of the SS symbol. But in this one, there are swastikas everywhere. Does anyone remember if this episode actually even aired in Germany because of this? Oh, I don't know. that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Let us know. So we now cut to Berlin, 1944. So it is nine years after our previous flashback. So now Mac is dressed as a Nazi. It's like, uh-oh. That was surprising. I was like, what's <laughs> right? going yeah. on here? They're there to meet Colonel Stauffenberg, who's a real person. How do you guys feel about that in general? Whenever Mac in- interacts with real historical figures? Uh, I'm mixed on it. I usually don't like it. Like, there was an episode, it was one of the Callus episodes, I think, uh, maybe Starcrossed, where at where a party. They like, reference Picasso. They reference, like, oh, I was at a party with Picasso. I'm like, ah, so, yeah. stop it. Like, I don't like that. This, I think, is maybe the most successful use of it, only because the thing he's interacting with is, like, crucial to the story, I guess. It but... is crucial to the story, and it's also not, like, a wildly famous figure. He's not meeting George Washington. Like... No. Yeah. I mean, well, he does meet Hitler in this. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> maybe the most famous. Adolf or infamous, Yeah, Adolf. The oh, that one. So you didn't even know uh, yeah. his first name. You got yeah, him. I was like, which Hitler are we right. talking about here? This episode also must have inspired Brian Singer for his Tom Cruise movie, Valkyrie. That's right. Which is about this very plot. Yeah, so Tom Cruise is... Uh, oh, so you meet Tom Cruise. Yes, I have. Yeah, actually, I've not seen Valkyrie. I've heard it's good. I actually do like that movie. Did anyone clock how many digits Stauffenberg had in this? Oh, I didn't oh look. no, because he's missing like a pinky or something, right? No, he is missing an entire hand. Oh and shit! Two fingers on the other hand. Wow! In real life, and an eye from like a, a world, like from a war related. Uh... Yeah, in Tunisia, his convoy was attacked and he was gruesomely maimed. Wow! 
That's uh, crazy. And it was while during his recovery that he gets really involved in the assassination plot for Hitler. Crazy. But anyway, I didn't see the his hand ever. And I no. Couldn't. Yeah. No, I didn't know. I imagine either. they didn't yeah. uh, go to that length. They Mr. chopped his hands right. off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, the colonel is not impressed with Mac. He's like, you're an you Englishman. British. Uh, and then, then Mac puts on a little German show for him. Uh, I was trying to translate what he was saying. Mac mumble mouths his way through this. It's something about, I can't tell if he says Kenig, which is king, like king. I think it's like, I'm going to sit next to the, the king or the leader or whatever. Mm. Something along those lines, which of course relates to the plot of the episode. But anyway, um, then Mac, you know, gives a little high, clicks his heels together, like an evil version of Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then uh, the colonel's like, yes, you will do. Uh, so then they sit down and hash out the plan uh, with the salt shaker. And it's, This uh, is nuts. <laughs> this is one of the craziest things they've ever done, and it is such a dumb drawing. It's literally just... He draws a cube and then another cube. Right. It None adds, of this needed to be drawn. It, it, it adds no information. And I guess the benefit of using salt is that you can wipe it away. I thought that was clever. It's like, okay. Fine. But it was so low information. And why are they talking about this for the first time now? Now. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, I know we're about to do this, but let's talk about it in a fucking diner. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. And the information he proceeds to give is he, like, draws the base or whatever. And he's like. like Wolf's den. Yeah. And he's like, and here's the bunker. And here's the door, and like, and it's like, okay, like, there's the, there's like one door, great, like that's it, like, that's it. It. Yeah. and we have to go through the front door. It's this is not a complicated, <laughs> yeah. complicated plot at all. The way the shot is framed when Stauffenberg is talking, there's a portrait of Hitler behind him right. that is yeah. like looking at him. Yeah, I thought that, really was that was creepy. Cool. very yeah. good. But yeah, this plot is stupid. It is kind of <laughs> cool that they can wipe this salt away. Yeah, that's, like that that's is a good clever. touch. Right. But. Yeah. But otherwise, it's, yeah, whatever. But, but it lets the, the viewers, I guess, know like what the domino. plan is. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> it's like a domino. Domino. But uh, Mac has also smuggled in, I guess, from British intelligence, a trigger that is, like, disguised as a cigarette pack, which I thought was kind of cool. And there's some chemical in there, so when the vial's cracked, it will eventually trigger the fuse after approximately 10 minutes. Right. So I thought that was pretty neat. Mm, yeah, so Mac provides Stauffenberg with a trigger warning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so now we cut later to, I guess, like a staircase either in the same club or wherever they are. Uh, but Mac and Ingrid are walking and talking and Ingrid reveals that like, you know, she's only ever talked about war for 200 years. She's never actually participated. And the biggest concern she has is killing a mortal. And she right. expresses like, you know, these are people just serving their country. They have wives and children and, you know, who am I to take their life? Right. She's only ever killed immortals. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say that most of the people in this room, though, qualify as bad guys. Yeah. Like, these aren't, like, your run-of-the-mill dudes. This isn't, like, guard number three. Right. <laughs> I mean, like... even guards in I mean, it's like, this isn't a German soldier. These aren't, like, high-ranking Nazi guards and officials. Like, right. I think we can all agree that these guys are all probably really shitty. Well, certainly everyone who's, like, actually participating in that meeting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd I mean, even have to think the guards. Like, how do you rise up in the in the, the SS to the point where you will be in Hitler's presence? Like, you must be some of, I don't know. You must be buying into it somewhat. I'm trying to think through that now. Like, is the guard at this base a high-ranking person? Like, I mean, maybe not if it's just a regular old bunker used for all sorts of things. He's just the normal guy on duty there yeah i'm trying to th I, I could go either way on this because I, I think what were they dressed as was everyone wearing a nazi uniform as opposed to like a soldier uniform yeah i'm pretty sure they were all in nazi uniforms yeah, yeah. let's just err on the side of they're all nazis yeah, yeah. let's do that let's I just think do that's that. fine yeah <laughs> In a surprising move, Mac is like, nope, it's worth it. Like, we got to kill Hitler. So she's, she's like, almost taking up the Mac role in this, like, having the moral dilemma. Mac doesn't yeah. seem too, like, 
caught up about this. Well, as we've all seen, Mac is fine killing when he has to. <laughs> or wants to. <laughs> or wants to. And he's been fighting in this war for a while. Sure. So. So now we end the flashback. We cut back to the loft to continue the previous scene. And so Duncan's like, he's not like Hitler. Right. And she's like, well, he could become Hitler. And so she's like trying to prevent all these people across the world from ever getting to this place. And this guy is a bad, bad dude. Yes. He is beaten two gay men. I don't know death. if he killed to them. Death. Yeah, he yeah, killed yeah. them. And he burned three black churches in right. the South. And but so, apparently but, there's no proof of this. Right. And in more recent years, now that he's had like political aspirations, he stopped doing all of that. And she's like, yeah, now he just gives a speech and a dozen of his followers will go out and do it for him. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening right yeah. now. Yeah, it's kind of upsetting. Yep. So Inger Graf drops a pretty good line. She says she doesn't want to look back in 50 years and think that, like, I could have saved the world from this person. This was the first time I had this thought, and it's amplified later. This whole conflict would be a lot higher stakes if this guy looked legit in any way. Oh, you know he just, I mean? like, he's, he's in the Seacouver fucking community center. Like, this guy does not seem... Like a... a like, influential. Yeah. Like, this guy does not strike... I mean, obviously a bad dude, and you can have a whole conversation of the moral sure. rightness of dealing with this guy. But I think if the premise is this is morally light, right because there's a realistic possibility that this guy will become something, I just see him and I'm like... No, <laughs> I'll chalk that up to the limits of the television show because yeah. I don't know. I, I like, think I don't get the, the inspector is... later mentions like you know like well what if this guy does become your next president? Like I think the idea is that like Ooh. we're supposed to think this guy's political aspirations are possible. Yeah, but, but we, we can only film in a little. Yeah, but like you know like you know they don't show like a media appearance by this guy uh, yeah. or like anything that makes it look like he's gaining traction. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Like to do something small, but a news report or like him giving an interview with someone that would make it seem like. A more national stage like he's getting real attention the only people who you ever hear saying anything about this are like the person who wants to kill him <laughs> essentially right. hey rewatchers if you haven't heard yet we have a patreon page you can go to patreon.com slash rewatched and you can support this very pod and you know what you also get some interesting prizes like a shout out on the pod reading customized messages magnets hey if you give at the top tier you might even get yourself a nice little fan interview with your pals keith kyle and amen why did kyle refer to himself as the third person why did he do it a second time these are questions that you'll get to ask us when we interview you. <laughs> so go to patreon.com slash rewatch to come part of our group today. And you know what? If you stay tuned to that space, you'll see some interesting Patreon exclusive content coming down the old pike. But in the meantime, Eamon, we have a special uh, message that we need to read out. This message is from Michael B. Is it Michael B. Michael Jordan? B. Jordan? Hopefully. It's Michael B. Jordan. He's a big fan of the show. Nice. Creed, I know the answer, but you, the listeners, do not. So maybe it is him. Yeah, yeah. you can't tell us we're wrong. So to us, it's Michael B. And I want to give a shout out to fellow rewatcher David Ace G. Hey, I'm, I'm liking this dialogue going yeah. on between uh, two friends of the show. This sounds like nepotism. But just keep giving us more money and we'll facilitate this conversation. That's right. <laughs> he is awesome, even though he thinks Driving Rain by Paul McCartney is a classic album. <laughs> <laughs> it is the zone of Paul McCartney albums. <laughs> and Mean Mr. Mustard is a good Beatles song. It is the Highlander 2, the quickening of Abbey Road. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Keep up the good work, rewatchers, and avoid Elton John's Victim of Love album. Thank you, Michael. 
Good stuff. Hey, that message could be yours. So go uh, go to patreon.com and search for Highlander Rewatched this very day. Today. So now we cut to Joe's bar. Mac, Joe, and Mithos are there, like, in the dark. Uh, yeah, this is a weirdly lit scene. Uh, although I kind of like, this is like that natural lighting. Like, the new guy, Rex Ragland, seems to, that seems to be one of his, like, big features he's bringing mm-hmm. to the show. It's like, we're going to light a lot of stuff just with the lights in the room. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very dark. It but looks good. Yeah, it looks cool. Pool uh, shark, other Rex than the Ragland. fact that they're in the dark. It's like, yeah. why are you guys hanging out in the dark? Mythos is laughing at Mac for being in one of his moral dilemmas again right and he's like kind of being a dickhead but it's funny i guess yeah. uh like this is a pretty serious thing max involved in trying to prevent an assassination being committed by his friend that's a weighty choice right yeah. so then i guess they're like well what's the deal with ingrid and he's like i know ingrid and she failed to kill hitler and has been trying to make up yeah. for it why don't you ask joe about ever her? since i don't need to ask joe about her i know about her right. <laughs> it's like whoa <laughs> chill uh so we get another flashback to east prussia in 1944 so max is driving in a car with the colonel and ingrid at night and the location of Hitler's meeting has changed. And so they're discussing, like, what's this going to mean for their plan? Because I guess it was going to be in, like, a basement bunker sort of Mm. thing where there were no windows. But now this new bunker has a bunch of windows. So they're concerned that when this thing explodes, like, the the blast is going to really diffuse a lot. So they're like, well, now we have to get it as close to Hitler as possible. That matters more. And the colonel's like, well, I want to look after it. Like, I'll stay with the bomb. And he's like, no, Tom Cruise, you need to negotiate with the allies (laughs) when all this is done. Right. Like, we need a leader afterwards. So you can help with that yeah uh so mac and of course rightfully so mac should stay because he's not gonna die so it's great right yeah what ended up happening with the actual plan is the bomb goes off and then tom cruise Sevenberg starts sending out orders like essentially from central command like hey hitler's dead this is what you need to do but then of course turns out he's not actually dead and then conflicting orders come out mm-hmm. and like everyone in berlin is like trying to figure out whose orders to follow interesting uh there's a funny line here mac is like i guess the the colonel is like oh everyone like thank you so much for helping us like you should be commended and every i'm going to make sure everyone knows that an englishman helped us like overthrow hitler and he's like no 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 it's cool he's yeah. like i prefer to be like anonymous like in yeah. this whole thing so we are now we go to like the meeting place or whatever so mac is i guess got to explain like he's in charge i guess of the russian front or something so he's there to explain like what the problem is like why do the english keep getting through through the tr- russian front tr- what did i say you said he's in charge of the Russian front, and you need to explain why the English keep getting through. Yeah, that's what he reports on later. Like, the English keep getting supplies through oh, the yeah, Russian supplies front. supplies through. Gotcha. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, so anyway, we now get our introduction of Mr. Hitler coming, like, emerging from the woods. From, like, a bush. I'm like, <laughs> like, I was like what? Was he, like, taking a piss back yeah. there or something? And he's, like, a small little man. Like, he's yeah. a very skinny little Hitler. Uh, skinny little hitler yep inside the the meeting this hitler i thought was like i was like he's like colonel clink like this is the most oh yeah. god i was i'm like maybe they should have sent away to la like, for, for that other hitler. hitler yeah <laughs> this is weird the destruction of these railways is not acceptable <laughs> and he doesn't sound a goddamn thing like hitler either, <laughs> which is highlighted because at one point in like some 80 yard dialogue or something like that oh they they show real hitler they they, (laughs) they show and play a clip of the actual hitler 
And it's like, that voice is so different. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't like this Hitler, but so <laughs> whatever. I, I did think, like, Hitler asked, why do the flat guns not work? For whatever. Do they not work? Yeah, why do they not work? And then the explanation the guy gives is like, well, he's like, the railroad, ro- the railroad was destroyed here and here and here, and flak towers were deployed here, here, and here. And I was like, okay. So why don't they work? Like, what, I don't know, like it's a non-explanation. I was like, God damn it. Like, yeah. We've all been in that meeting yeah. with that guy who won't answer the question. <laughs> so maybe if we go back to my initial question, <laughs> right. don't cough. That's not the right word. Uh, <laughs> um, the colonel has left his briefcase, and he like makes up an excuse, like, oh, I have to go take a call or something. Mm. So he excuses himself from the meeting, and apparently this is really how it happens, I guess. Some but, guy trips on the briefcase. Right. The guy who make, tries to explain what the deal is with these flat guns like kicks it, and then they're like, oh, we should get this out of the way. And they pass it all the way down the table and put it under the table. And it's like a heavy wooden yeah, table. Yeah, this is a big table. So now it's like, oh, shit, what do we do? So Max starts like walking around slowly, very suspiciously. Yeah. Why didn't he just like... Do it more casually. Like, oh, I want to get a look at the map, like, from over here. But anyway, everyone's like, uh, what's up? And then the bomb goes off. He As he goes to, like, die, he starts running to get it. Here's my question about this. Uh Mac is immortal. So maybe because he's a spy, he has other things. Like, this is important. Killing Hitler is very important. Sure. He's immortal. If they, like, catch him and execute him, why doesn't he just kill Hitler himself once he knows this bomb's not going to work? Well, I guess he doesn't have a knife or a gun, because that's the reason they needed the bomb. I think they make mention that, like, no guns are allowed in Hitler's presence. Right. So the best choice he has is, like, I don't know. Why isn't Mac just holding the briefcase the whole time? Yeah, why does he just hold and the briefcase then just and just stand throw it in them. Hitler's face or hug him or something? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Because I'm just like, they're not going to, like, chop his head off. I mean, right. they'll catch him probably. Yeah, definitely. But, like, they'll shoot him. They'll, like... yeah. And then he'll revive and whatever. I don't know. I just was like, hey, Mac, you could <laughs> try a little harder to kill Hitler next do this, time. Yeah, probably. <laughs> right. Uh, so this is a pretty cool shot. Like the whole place explodes and Ingrid is like just smoking a cigarette. This is a front. great shot. Like, yeah, this feels like a very so action cool. movie. Yeah, thing. it's great. The shots of Hitler are good where he's like in front of this big fireplace yeah like i thought those were cool and this, i do not like hitler's performance no. it's very cartoony uh and then the dialogue he's saying well yeah. is bananas also this whole set is reused the right, peruvian from, temple yeah. from littleton god which is pretty cool i thought i, I did kind of think that he seemed like a nazi in that yeah. so it works yeah. out little hitler people now start stumbling out of this bunker ingrid's like oh shit and yeah there, <laughs> there comes hitler and so she pulls a gun, and he, Eamon, do you want to do the honors of... Uh, yes. So he's like, the hand of God himself protects the Fuhrer. And he just says he's that 42 times. times. Yeah. He I like, am invincible. He, he literally says that. says that. He quotes M. Bison from Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, or uh, the guy from Goldeneye. Um, oh, that's right. Alan, Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings. Cummings. <laughs> also a Boris. That's also. Yeah. <laughs> I am invincible. <laughs> And he just I forgot all about on that. saying the hand of God protects the fear. I the thought this was God effective. Himself. Like, I mean, this is like crazy. Like, this is it's just like so amped up. <laughs> yeah. And she's like got the gun pointed at him and can't do it. I don't uh, know. I guess. How do you feel about that? <sighs> I mean, it's hard to kill somebody. I, I I've never been in this position. I, could, I probably couldn't kill somebody, but it's I, unless Hitler. they were like trying to kill me. Right. I wish like a guard had interposed himself or something between Hitler and her. Like, she has to kill somebody who's not. Literally Literally, history's most reviled man. Yeah. yeah. But in order to get the job done, right. and she hesitates. 
or just make this scene faster. Like right. she hesitates just for a second. Just for a second. Like we don't he doesn't need to say it 10 times. Right. Like he can say this line once. Yeah. She can be like uh, and then get shot. Right. Like, it, it literally looks like she sits there for like a minute right. straight. Like, what do I do? And if anything, I feel like him shrieking that the hand of God right. protects him would like help to dehumanize him a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, like this I, person's clearly insane. I could shoot someone under those circumstances. Yeah. Like, Who is like shrieking at you. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Or what if they had a scene where like she's looking at him and then it like looks like her dog when she was a little girl or something and that's why she hesitates. <laughs> yeah, because her dog was like, dog I am invincible. Like, a little Hitler mustache <laughs> <Right>. or something. <laughs> but she blames herself for not taking the shot, as it were. I mean, I will say it is not her fault that the bomb didn't work. It kind of is her fault that she didn't kill Hitler in this instance, right? Well, that's why she's haunted. By yeah, it. exactly. I mean. Yeah. The Haunted. That was another episode. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's all tied That's together. That's why she's haunted by the ghost of Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who's like pointing at her to Mac. So we now cut back uh, to the present. We're resuming the previous scene. Like you said, Kyle, she blames herself for not killing Hitler. But Mythos brings up some interesting kind of... He's just like, fuck this woman. He's like, oh, you're buying into this melodrama? Like... Well, he's like, nobody can change history. That's his thing. He's like, not one, one person can never impact history the way you think they can. And, and he says it's the ultimate in arrogance. Right. He argues that, like, well, you know, if you had killed Hitler, would that have changed anything? Like, well, what if we wanted to kill him in 19, what, 43? Like Rommel wanted. Like, that could have actually been worse. Like, Rommel could have won the war because of that. Who's to say? Yeah. And it's, like, interesting. He also says the zeitgeist of the time, like, is what produced Hitler. So if it wasn't Hitler, it would have been somebody else. But it Matt w- counters, like, but it was Hitler. So. Yeah. Which is, like, interesting because there's mm-hmm. always, like, this debate, especially among, like, the way you teach history of, like, there's kind of, like, this great person theory of history. Yeah. Of, like, you learn about specific iconic figures as though, like, they literally sculpted history out of clay. And that's kind of, like, this debate that they're having here. Which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, in some ways. It is. He says, history makes men McLeod, men don't make history. Mm. Which is an interesting quote. I don't know if I agree with it. I think I actually agree to a large extent with that quote. But then there's, I think there are definitive moments where things happen or don't happen. Mm. You know, moments like, would the American Revolution have happened without George Washington? Yes. Right. Would the person who led the Continental Army have pulled a Napoleon after that if it wasn't George Washington? Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, right. Like, maybe. Like, I don't know. I think, like, the wide trajectories of things are probably consistent. But then there's, like, individual inflection points that matter. That's my take. Not that anyone should give a shit about it. <laughs> uh, one take we don't get to hear is Joe, because they're like, hey, Joe, you're a historian. What do you think? And he's like, ah, I'm nope. out of there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck you, involved. Joe. <laughs> I was, Mac, that made me so mad. And then Mac, as his friend, remember Mac, their best friends, friends. is like, you're a coward. Like, and he says it so seriously. <laughs> Who gives a damn? What matters is that it's Mac's friend. Right, which, which is also an interesting point that it's yeah. a per- this is a yeah. personal thing, That's not a good point. something yeah. about history. Yeah, there's a lot of good like little one lines here. But then Mythos says, "Ditto." Does that d- is he saying he's also a coward, or is he calling Joe a coward? Duncan's like coward, and then Mythos says, "Ditto." I think he's responding to, "I'm not getting in the middle of this," and he's uh, and he's like, "I'm not getting in the middle of this either." Now, also the music here, by the way, I had a note about it. It's this very kind of ethereal sounding stuff with piano music kind of playing over it. I have in my notes, I think this is the best piece of music in the Highlander catalog right now. Really? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say Highlander catalog, competing with the Michael Kamen and Queen stuff, but like, 
of all the series stuff we've heard, like I was like, this is really great modern sounding music. You're uh, forgetting something. Oh, am I forgetting uh, the uh, Ten Thousand Year? Song? Yeah, the, the yeah. song in the piece below. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a great song. That is a great song. You're right. Max says he like I kind of believe in her cause, and part of me like believes she's right. Like Max conflicted like what to do in this scenario, and I don't know what made me think of this. I was like, you know what? Like, do we all like feel this way? Like, do we all want some quote unquote crazy person to do the thing that none of us want to do? I don't know. I kind of was just musing on that in my head. I was just like, oh, like Max would never do this himself, so he says. But at the same time, he completely is like, yeah, she did this thing, and like it's not great, but I understand it and like i don't know i kind of wonder sometimes if people secretly are like these are things i could never push my own morality to do i wouldn't want to challenge myself in that way but like when uh, i'm okay with other people doing it for me though oh people one to be you're totally right that people do feel that way people absolutely feel that way that like well they're not gonna do it but like they don't want to pay like the moral personal the price physical price for it but they're like oh if somebody else does it you know which is not to say that there's there's a difference between i get why someone's doing this and i want them to do it which is worth noting like i get why someone would want to kill this white supremacist but guy. i think it's easy to say that after the fact like when somebody goes gets it done you can be like oh yeah like how about that like right. i don't yeah. know and also it's so much easier when you're talking about someone like hitler or someone like you have a historical record of atrocities to lean upon right but you don't know that in vivo Mm-mm. like you don't know that Hitler is going to be Hitler versus he's going to be some random just some crazy guy who yeah fades popped away up and disappeared never even a footnote in right. the history book like you don't know that in the moment and that's hard yeah and that's yeah. what Ingrid's betting on is that she doesn't care like we'll take them all out like, yeah like, there will be no this- more tyrants killing this guy is not like killing Hitler in the Valkyrie plot that is like an established monster right at that point and maybe this guy is like a baby monster i don't know but like baby monster <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, we're, we're led to believe that he has in fact killed people you yes. know what i mean like he's like a godzuki oh boy a what godzuki godzilla's little baby <laughs> i like it he's not a godzilla yet but he's a godzuki that's right he's more of a king Ghidorah. Yeah. <laughs> what's his kid's name prince Ghidorah. prince Ghidorah, <laughs> naturally <laughs> mythos drops a hardcore line here i think like mac is like oh, i don't know how to stop her or whatever and then mythos is like don't you like and it's like damn it's like, like yeah you do know and how. then mac is like no i don't like i'm not gonna fucking kill her over this wrong uh, <laughs> and also just side note i like the way this plays out in the sense that the moral tension really gets amped up by the fact that she is ultimately we find out going to use a bomb in this plot and that is a wildly different thing than her shooting him during his mic check like that's night and day just one thing i wanted to note there is somebody like cleaning up in the back while they're all talking <laughs> oh yeah that's right it's like a woman right yeah I was, I was like, like what is this is this person a watcher yeah who is that and then i'm like that sucks that if you're a watcher like you also just have to like be the janitor at joe's <laughs> if she is a watcher right yeah good point. i just thought that was funny yeah who was she distracting right? weird so now we cut to the dojo uh matt comes in and he is surrounded by all these like cop guys wearing baseball with their hats. guns drawn right on him. <laughs> like what uh so they slam him up against the wall i like the way this is shot like the inspector dude's like got his little toothpick thing going and like but the action with mac is all blurry in the background and like any other director would flip it it's like well the thing to watch is like mac getting pushed and i don't mm. know it's like that's the action but we don't see that we see it like 
obfuscated by the sky in the forefront, which I thought was kind of nice. And they're like, well, where is Ingrid? And Mac, I guess, honestly, is like, I have no idea what's up with her. So then we cut to an interrogation room, because this time they actually finally decide to arrest Mac. They finally do their job. Right. Because I guess they've tracked her here and established at this point that Mac has at least helped her in some regard. So he's lied. He's definitely obstructed justice. He has committed a crime. Correct. Anyway. Uh, another great like scene with some cool lighting. Very like it's just this spotlight. It's very noir again, uh, dramatic stuff. And this dude calls Mac like a blind fool. I don't. Know, he's got like Mac. Cane and I'll get out of here. Right. <laughs> but he's got like Mac all figured out. He's like, oh, like was she a lover? Like an old friend? Ah, like old friends are the worst, right? Like, yeah. I know that, I, this guy's performance is great. It's this like is a great nuts. character. Yeah, he's like, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then classic cop maneuver. He launches in on, like, the whole sympathetic, like, I'm your friend. I get this. Like, I understand why this person's doing this thing. I get why you want to protect them. He then tells this, like, story, this, like, monologue. I think we should listen to it because there's, like, some really good performances in this episode. So you guys want to listen to it? Let's do it. Once there was a writer, a poet, actually. But he lived in the dark times. Hitler, the Nazis. And soon he was afraid to stay in Germany. So he took his wife and son and escaped to Romania. He thought they would be safe there. And for a while, they had a good life. They were happy there. Until one night when the communists broke into his house. They took him away in the dead of night and shot him for his poetry. You see, they shot my father for writing poetry, McLeod. So part of me understands Ingrid, too. A tyrant here, a dictator there. And now there is this Wilkinson, despicable. Some people might say murdering him is a community service. What would you say, McLeod? That's really good shit. And the way it's shot is so interesting. Like, like there's this long shot in the middle of it as he's slowly backing away from McLeod and essentially, like, backing himself against the wall. And it's just, like, a really interesting piece of staging. I don't know. I find it really affecting. And this guy's performance is just, as you could hear, amazing. Yeah, it's good. But, you know, it's working. Like, he's getting under Mac's skin, clearly. I also like that he, like, his character is not black. Like, he's not just the... The lawman following the rules, like can't mur- like he gets it too, and I feel like he's a bit. Well, we'll see later. He's conflicted too about what goes down. So it's interesting. Yeah. And it's also, you're not going to charge Mac. Why not? So here's oh. my question: Is so Mac is in this? So at some point he's like, "Oh, your lawyer's here. Like you're free to go, and I wasn't going to charge you." I mean, maybe I think he maybe just does believe that Mac doesn't know where she is. Like that he's not really helping her. Right. Well, he did help her already by lying to you about knowing her. Okay. So he has already obstructed justice. He could have not said anything. Instead, he chose to lie. Sure. So This is why you don't talk to the police. Right. Well, that, that's where I was going to go with this is that Mac is like, my lawyer? Like, what? And it's like, hold on, Mac. Like, you must know how serious this situation is. Like, you definitely have, like, I mean, you've kind of helped her. You have lied to the police. Like, you're in a bad situation. Like, you didn't get a lawyer. Slash, is Max plan to defend himself? Like, <laughs> you could fucking go to jail for this. For a long time. And he's just like, I didn't get a lawyer. Like, what you dope? <laughs> like, and Mac definitely has a lawyer, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's he must have money. some sort of lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Max got it. 
Yeah. I can do this. Oh, I got this. I, I can do this. Yeah. I can it, do this. Instead, Mr. Matt goes to Washington. Yeah. <laughs> we come to find Mythos has committed a crime. That's right. By impersonating, impersonating a lawyer. A lawyer. Yeah. And Mythos says, like, I got papers for everything. He's yeah. like, you need me to be a like a love like it's whatever he needs he's got some sort of document to show that he does it yeah so that was pretty nuts uh and this is their uh well, so he doesn't office. even bother putting on a suit or something he shows, <laughs> he shows up, up in a sweater in fucking jeans <laughs> i want a spinoff series where mythos pretends to be a lawyer <laughs> like a sexy mythos a lawyer sexy mythos lawyer yeah. all right i'm down it's just a whole series of procedurals starring mythos right, right. so Matt gets out. Him and Mithos are walking outside the police station, which is the production offices for the Highlander in Vancouver. And so we find out that she's committed 15 murders in the past year. So 40 years are unaccounted for. So who knows how many people she has killed? That's a lot of people. And I guess who knows how many of these things are public? Because she does mention in an earlier speech that she was like with the Mossad. She was with the CIA for a while. Right. Which seems like there's like a big paper trail on her. But whatever. Yeah. So Mac is, again, maybe surprising for Mac. Because usually Mac is the, like... Right is right. Like, there's no gray. Like, Mac is like, well, maybe what she did was right. Like, these people deserved what they got. Yeah, and Mythos is like, yeah, somebody else thought that too. Adolf <laughs> something or other. <laughs> I don't know if that's really apples to apples necessarily. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's not apples to apples, but it is, I guess, always worth remembering that, like, most people, even villains of history, believe themselves to be doing, like, most people don't cast themselves as a villain. Sure. Like, they think they're doing an alright thing, or a justifiable thing. And also, I guess, Mythos is like, the end justifies the means, right? Like, that's what you're getting at? And it's like, well, yeah, Mac, Mac is definitely, like, in denial about what a lot of this shit means. And it's great, because this is coming through now, and is, like, the, the, the tag on the end of the episode, which is good. Like, Mac does not know how to process this shit. Yeah. So now we cut outside this hotel, and I guess this is where Wilkinson is staying, and so they've got a cop casing the place. Damon casing the place. Ooh. Yeah. Because I guess they expect Ingrid might show up here. Uh, so They're right. <laughs> yeah. So she's there out front, and the cop starts, like, calling into the, the radio, like, oh, we got to, we spot her or whatever. And then she disappears, and she, like, sneaks up on him, and she fucking shoots him. Why? Why did they do this? This is a real blunder in this episode, I think. Well, this is like when they create a gray villain, and then they make them do something unforgivable. Right. Yeah, this well, is I think like it's because same thing. this is like she does kill like the bodyguard in Igor's hotel room earlier, and like right. presumably he's maybe an innocent again. Who knows how much she buys and all this stuff or whatever? But like he's at least like in her way. Like oh shit, I got to escape this. Room. This is like collateral damage. Yeah, this, but like this guy is just watching from a this, car, and like I don't know how killing him is making her job easier, or you know what I mean? Like there there seems yeah, to be no real point in there, it. There se- one, there seems to be no real point. Two, unlike. You know, the bodyguard for this guy, like, guard number three in the wolf's den. Like, these people are at least in service of the thing that you hate. Right. This police officer, not at all in service of this guy. Probably, for all we know, he's like, fuck this guy. Probably is like that. You know, he he is just there doing his job and by the way his job is to like ostensibly to protect seacouver like right she chooses to kill a good guy for reasons unknown to me yeah. and if or he's a presumably good guy if anything wouldn't this bring more heat on her because yes. she killed a fucking police officer no every actually police per- maybe officer that's in seacouver is going to be hunting for her is yeah. that perhaps uh i never thought about till now like is that supposed to actually mirror what max actions were like they've reversed a little bit like mac took a drastic action in 1935 to beat 
up the brown shirts. At least those are bad guys. Though. <laughs> well, right. yeah, but they like the the idea was like, well, that might have been bad because you were bringing more heat on us. Like they're just going to send more brown shirts next time. Yeah. And it's like, is is that what she's doing here? Like anybody who's in my way, like I'm just going to take them out and not really think about like the big picture here. Yeah, it's confusing because also like Mac just beat those guys up, and also it makes it just very clear that like she is a fallen version of something. Sure, you yeah. know what I mean. Like she has like somewhat persuasive moral arguments for most of what she does that you can like sort of sink your teeth into. This is just like, well, okay, you really are a fanatic. Like you really are someone yeah. who maybe doesn't value human life. Like you are on a vengeance quest. Do you think they need the scene at all? Like I'm thinking about again the no, end this... of the episode. Like there are other reasons to stop her because there's a room full of people. Yeah. No, this like, is, you don't need this. This thing. is wholly unnecessary yeah. and undercuts like the core of this thing. Mm. Because I am I immediately turn on her when this happens. Yeah. Like, and I cease buying the other things she's doing. I don't think that she's actually, you know, she's trying to slay her own demons, not these people. And that's all she really cares about. Right. So now we cut to the the Dobro and Mac is in his office and the inspector is explaining to Mac, like, what happened? Like, oh, she killed somebody. And Mac is like, oh, no, believe it. That's not possible. She would never do something like this. This is very sad. Like, Mac is realizing, of course, that his friend, as you said, Kyle, is like completely fallen. Like... Um, so then he plays for her like the radio transmission. I thought this was great. Uh, and I love the focus shot they do like the, the tape recorders in focus. And then you hear the gunshot and right on the gunshot, the, the camera focuses on Mac's face to see his reaction. Yeah. It was pretty cool. No, that's great. It's so dark, like real twist for this character. And Mac looks just like so personal, like Adrian Paul's performance throughout this episode is pretty good. And he just looks like so personally betrayed by this. Yeah. To continue our conversation from the last scene, like, about, like, is this a natural progression for this character? Like, I guess it depends on how she sees these people. Like, if they're in her way or not, the question, like, David Abramowitz poses, well, the question of this episode, you know, is it worth it to kill one person to save a thousand? Or is it worth it to kill ten people to save a thousand? Like, for her, it's, like, innocent or not, if I have to kill some innocent people to stop this monster, like, if she, if she just sees everything as just, I don't know, numbers... Is it worth it? The thing that I guess is is problematic is he's not really in her way. That's the problem. Well, there's a few problems with it. One, he's not really in her way. Two, there's no reason to think that this is imminent. This is not like her in a moment being like, this guy's about to do something awful. That's or if true. I don't stop him imminently and pay whatever price it takes to stop him, some imminent misfortune is going to befall people. Right. This is her like, I have a theoretical hunch right. that in the future, this guy will make the world a much worse place right no that's true and that's not an ironclad premise to begin with so for her to kill this guy really messes up the moral calculus sure yeah she could just do this next week it is a logical progression for a character to be like this person gets so mixed up in their own head that they're willing to pay any price to do it right like that is a version of a character and it's maybe a version that could be interesting in some sense yeah but she's i think not, that's what i was thinking it's, it's like yeah not, some version of this does make sense like, i can see how the, someone arrives at this conclusion yeah but it just like doesn't land well and it cheapens the very interesting moral discussion that happens elsewhere because mm. like she needs to be taken to task for this so now we cut back outside that same hotel, and we get Wilkinson's fucking dilapidated van with a sticker on it that says his name. This is how he rides. Yeah, this just, like, makes him look penny-ante. Like, <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's part of the core problem of this thing. Yeah. Like, this guy does seem 
like a small fry. Like I want him to down. pull up in a limo and have like guys with sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. Or like guys with armbands or something. Yeah. Just like, a little more threatening. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, this I mean, this guy literally just looks like shit. Right. Like he looks like he's <laughs> he looks like he's nobody. Yeah, right. And then uh, somebody else that looks like shit approaches. That's right. So we get this uh, this uh, shot from I guess behind Ingrid. She's dressed as like an old woman, like a bag lady, a bag lady, right? Yeah. And so she thinks Wilkinson is there. It's a it's a ruse, and, and lo, it is full of cops. It is full of cops. So they've captured her in some terrible old lady makeup. In this situation, she decides to turn her gun on the lead inspector, and he shoots her. I think it's to get them to shoot her. I don't know if she actually intends to shoot him. Oh, interesting. Well, that was at least how I interpreted it. Because like what. She she what's she gonna do shoot all 10 of these guys like i don't know but i guess right. i mean she's killed that one cop why not kill another i i thought she was gonna kill one of them interesting huh so he shoots her dead and he's like ah oh, what a waste so now we cut back to joe's and mac is there drinking with the inspector and this is another pretty great scene i this thought this is super noir the cop seems more haunted by this than mac but we i don't think we mentioned earlier the cop is always like filling with a toothpick and he's like yeah. and he makes some comment like ah, this is my last like this is the only vice i have left just a toothpick uh but in this scene he has lit he's, up a cigarette uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is good uh and the line he gives like is something along the lines of like you know he's, he takes a puff and he's like i think like maybe if i die a little now like god and i will be even for what i've just done yeah uh, i was like holy oh, shit. shit like that's great. A, a standing ovation for that line that's yeah. really good also that takes like a light touch to deliver like lots of people delivering that line it would have sounded terrible like right really cheesy but something to do with like maybe it's just like the way it's staged and his accent and delivery it just like yeah, it's good. And so then the uh, the inspector also says, you know, when I was a boy, I thought everything was black and white. And now I realize that it's nothing but gray, which is another good line and yeah. perhaps the thesis of this show, practically. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he says he's sorry for killing his friend, which aiming to pick up on your uh, trail of breadcrumbs from previous episodes. Richie says that exact same line in. Oh, right. In Haunted. Yeah. A couple yeah. episodes ago. I'm sorry I'm so I killed your friend. Yeah. Uh, but Mac is like, you didn't kill my friend. I don't know who this person I don't know was. Who, which is yeah. harsh, but like, yeah. this is this is fucking good this, like, this episode dark. keeps hitting all these sweet yeah. spots but yeah this at this point this the inspector is worried as well like he understands what her plight was like this guy could become your president <coughs> yeah. coffee already did and <laughs> uh you know what have i done perhaps not like this no like, not like, not like this <laughs> so uh max says he would have made the same choice though hmm so he's kind of yeah. figuring some stuff out. So now we cut to the rally. This fucking guy, Wilkinson, is like, they call me a racist because I have the guts to tell the truth. I was like, God damn it. I hear this line on the news, too. Yeah. And by the way, this is telling it, it like it is, guys. Yeah. It turns into a Tea Party rally because, like, we're taxed enough already. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. It does. Uh, People often forget that is what tea and Tea Party stands for. Oh, really? Yeah. Tax that, party? What's that? Tax party? No, sorry. Tea. As in, like, the tea. The well, it's Boston like a play tea on. Party. Yeah, well, the joke is Boston Tea Party, but the reason they chose those letters was because it was taxed enough already. Oh. oh. You're welcome. Interesting. How about that? Uh, I just thought it was Mr. T related. Yeah, yeah. it's actually Mr. I pity the We fool. pity these fools. I gotta <laughs> treat my mother right. Yeah. I love that. Everyone go Google Mr. T's, like, Mother's Day song. <laughs> It's, it's, not, it's one. It's not just a song. It's a forty-five minute video. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more about moms. Yeah, Mr. and also T, who wrote moms? And who wrote "Treat Your Mother Right"? Who? Ice T. Another T. Oh man, Ice the T's tea. unite. Mm -hmm. Wow. They hired him in his uh, you know fledgling days as a rapper, and we're like, we need you to write Mr. T raps. And and he's like, okay, how many cops get killed in this song? <laughs> right. Can I say the N word? <laughs> 
be somebody or be somebody's fool. That's right. <laughs> uh, so this guy is like all this fear mongering shit, which is like again troubling to watch. Cause yeah, it's, it's terrible. And timely. It's like, he's like, oh, everything still relevant. Like, there's hoodlums and crackheads, and he's like, you guys are true Americans. Like the idea that like some people aren't real You're fucking Americans. Americans. Yeah. Yikes! Scary. Uh, so anyway, Mac is like scoping the place out, and he can't figure out. Like, oh, he also sees fucking Wilkinson's face turn into Hitler. I was like. Uh, no, nope. no, don't that's like that. Too much. Um, Bridge too far. I would have been fine if there was like some audio over it. I don't know. Sometimes these, when they do too many like weird video effects, I'm just like, eh, no thanks. But then Mac realizes like, oh shit, this is a bomb plot. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. bomb plot. Hashtag bomb plot. So Mythos is with him. Oh right, for reasons. Yes. Where does he go? I don't know. Why does he, he could go? he could have helped? In also, this like scenario. Mac realizes it's a bomb plot, but doesn't pull like, the fire alarm. Yeah, like, why doesn't he pull the fire alarm? Why doesn't he, like, see that, oh, shit, the bomb is, it's got to be that briefcase, right? I mean, that's the idea. It's like they use the same briefcase. That's a bomb. Right. Like, but he doesn't do anything. Like, why does he think? Pull a Captain America and jump on the bomb. Sure. Like, but he doesn't think, like, why isn't this on a a timer, not a trigger? Like, he just assumes she's going to trigger this bomb rather than, like, we got to get everybody out of here before it just blows up. Blows up, yeah. In two minutes and 36 seconds. Also, why didn't Ingrid just blow it up as soon as he got over to the Yeah, what is she waiting yeah, for? Yeah, what are you waiting for? Bizarre. Anyway. She's waiting for, like, the apex of his speech. Yeah, right. To oh, really bizarre. make a splash. She's like, I have to make it dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Mac gets the buzz and runs yeah. outside. Also, we do get, like, a cut. Also, this is, wh- this is where Hitler's voice appears. Like, that it's imposed over his speech. Right. But it's not actor Hitler's voice. No, it's it real It's historical real recordings. Hitler. And I'm like, huh, weird choice. Yeah. There. Because they don't sound alike. I don't mind it too much. It's like, yeah, it's okay. Well, we'll talk well, I don't about know if what I might, happens hold later. Hold on. I should just say... <laughs> I don't mind Hitler's speech. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just meant I don't mind that they use the real Hitler voice as opposed to the actor Hitler voice. I'm not necessarily making a comment, though, on the fact that they use a bunch of Hitler footage in this episode. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. We'll get to it, though. So Mac runs outside, out the back. Not like this. And he goes, <laughs> not like this. <laughs> just his other catchphrase. Switch. Apoch. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. So Jesus Christ, this is a scene. I thought. Yeah. In they the have, this they is have a, a scene. A very Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker esque. Oh right. Mac has the high ground. He's up yeah. on a uh, crate of apples. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like they're both like cr- like Mac looks fucking AP, I think, crushes it in this yeah. episode. Like he is able to communicate how torn up he is about this issue and like that his friend has fallen and like he knows what might need to happen that he's been in denial since basically the beginning about like mythos is like you know how to stop her and he's like no 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 no, no and no, no, at this no, point no, he's like no i have to do this so they get into some arguing about like you know well what's different like we killed those german soldiers was that wrong like i killed the cop I think that's the... the well, he's like, you killed the cop. It's like, innocence... She's the rise the innocence is relative. Right. Because he's like, you're going to kill all those innocent people. And she's like, she's basically like, fuck those people. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah, the yeah. bigger argument is that, like, well, it's just a room full of racist assholes. So, like, is it really that bad? But he's like, and he's like, that was war. Like, killing soldiers is different than killing a room full of innocent people. Perhaps. And you don't have a license to kill racists. Right. I, I have had the misfortune of interacting with a lot of racists in my day. Oh, really? Yeah, of course. As have we all. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, including the most popular brand of I'm not racist, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's no there's no open hunting license on these people. Right. Like these are, you know. Right. He's. You, you know, can't blow blow up any racist you want. Yeah. No. And like, <laughs> no. surely the attendees at this rally are probably a bunch of like misguided, desperate misogynistic dopes 
Yes. So then we get the big question, because he's like, you have no right to kill them. And then she's like, well, what right do you have to kill me? It's like, oh, fuck, mind fuck. Yeah, no, that's intense. Because in some ways, he's using a similar logic to her. He's like, she's like, I will kill the people in this room, presumably, in the hopes that it will save thousands of people in the future. And he's like, I will kill you You. to to save the dozens of people in in that room. room." Yeah, it's it's really fucked up. It's like, oh, shit. The absence of the killing of that cop. But like, just suck that out of the episode. It's I, I think you I could think, even leave it. I don't think it's it's that ridiculous. Like I can see how that happens. It's maybe not the it's certainly not the equivalent she paints it as. Like, well, what's the difference between me killing the cop and you killing those German soldiers? Like that it falls apart. That doesn't work. But, no, but I think it's like ah, I don't know. I it, I, provides, it doesn't pull me completely out of the episode. What gives Mac very good reason to stop her right that's the thing that like at least in terms of like his action Mm -hmm. not in terms of like the actual moral dilemma that they set up but i think this might be the most deathly executed moral dilemma that this show has ever had do do we have any other contenders for that it's perfectly integrated too which i like yeah it's like this isn't like we had a conversation and then somebody does shitty things and now we fight like it is all intertwined like i don't know it's great yeah the moral question is the action yeah and it's that's hard to do and it's well done like i feel like star trek often like even in great episodes has this notion where like there's an issue and people just kind of sit around a table and then they go decide to do something i mean and, that's like, not too dissimilar from their discussion in joe's being like no, hey, what's this? You, you don't get like this perfect moment where the two come together mm. where like action is going on the debate is ongoing and somebody makes a call in real time like right, even right. in great star trek episodes that doesn't always happen sure. even as a show that that's like the cornerstone of it mm-hmm. like you know this is a gem yeah it's good this this whole scene so she raises the trigger she's about to push the button also this is so heartbreaking when she's like if we fight you're gonna beat me i'm not gonna waste time yeah but like you're gonna have to kill me and your unarmed friend to pull this off so yep. are you are you willing to are you willing it's to pay the price i was up. just like yeah fuck it's <laughs> like mac some pull a sword on mac like you Sometimes you've just thrown your life away. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. right. He'll totally just take you down, yeah. Cousin Robert. <laughs> um, cousin know. Robert. Well, he's like the ultimate warrior, McLeod. He's all, training ultimate. every day. Yeah, <laughs> like right. He knows how to use every weapon. Mm-hmm. He has bombs and guns at his disposal, yes, apparently. apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I was an immortal bad guy, I would be like, fuck Duncan McLeod. Like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That motherfucker killed, like, 60 people in the last, like, two years. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, all, like, which is, because they all seem to know him. They're like, oh, what's up, Highlander? It's like, okay, yeah. you know him, so you know you shouldn't fuck with him. Right. And this is great because she knows. She's yeah. like, you know, this is not a fight. It's a choice. So, so what happens, Kyle? What choice does he make? She lifts up that trigger and... He cuts her fucking head off. Yep. Yeah. The dickhead in me was like, why did he cut her hand off? But I thought that too. <laughs> okay, but no. but I bad. get what the point is. But that's a serious point to bring up. Why didn't he just cut her hand off? I mean, honestly, like, like he could have stopped her. Like he could have done it all. Stopped her and saved the people. And in some ways, I have to imagine her. Well, and she'd be alive. Like her finger wouldn't be able to instinctively still push the button, would it? After I, don't I mean, think maybe so. if the debt. Like I, don't I mean, know. I think she, honestly, I think she'd be able to push the detonator even when Mac tried to kill her. Yeah, the, the, it's yeah. not a gun, right? This is she's right. slow. Yeah, 
What if her body like fell on the detonator <laughs> and it still exploded? <laughs> the quickening sets off the bomb. Oh yeah. God, what a what an ending that would be! Holy shit! We're not supposed to think about now. That, that's though. Mac's fault. Yeah, because you can't change history, Mac. Really? Uh, it's not one person. I just thought he could have cut her hand off, right? Yeah. But anyway, but anyway so not, now let's talk about, let's talk about, about this quickening. You you kind of aren't supposed to think about it because again, he needs yeah. to take multiple steps toward her and swing a sword. Yeah, she has right. to push a button. She can obviously do that before he even takes a step. Right. Like. Yeah. So the whole choice is it's somewhat, symbolic. Yes, the whole yeah. choice is somewhat artificial. Right. But. So let, how's this quickening go down? <sighs> okay, you guys don't like it. No, I, of course not. I don't know. Of course yeah. not. Do you like it? You know this. I was like, I don't know. I it's it's dramatic. It's what, what don't you like about it? There is a lot going on here. I don't. Uh, if they didn't have the song, I would hate the it. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the song. Yeah, what is the song? Is it the Ride of the Valkyrie or whatever? Oh, that'd be a good one to play. No, no it's, it's the Hallelujah, Hallelujah Chorus, chorus oh, okay. which is the weirdest choice. Yeah, why is it the Valkyrie song? That would be weird, maybe. Yeah, but I don't know. Two on the nose. Sure. The whole the whole choice is weird. So then we also now get a video montage of like like Nazi Germany, Nazi Germany, stuff. and Wilkinson together. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't need this, and it's strange because it's like another one of those moments. Like, are you having like quickening memory transfer, or what is this? I kind of wondered that. I was like, yeah, is this a quickening memory transfer, or is this the show? His, breaking like, the fourth wall and making commentary about like is this the show doing this not the action of the episode does that make sense yeah. that there's a difference if they just did a different song i don't think i'd mind this as much well the song took me right the hell out of I, it i don't want to miss a thing by aerosmith yeah yeah, if that was yeah i miss you baby <laughs> but i don't want to miss a thing i just assumed it would be the crossfire theme but <laughs> which i mean that caught up in the crossfire <laughs> Where two children are transported into a vicious hellscape to play <laughs> to play a game, fire. a game with mo- ball bearings, yeah, and they're in like leather out Mad Max outfits. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And there's flames, and I'm I'm presuming the child that loses Crossfire dies. Yeah, yeah he, he falls. Well, he into, loses like, his the Crossfire lava. pit, like floating disc. Yeah, I don't. 100% mind this. I appreciate... Maybe it's also What just, percentage do you mind it? 1%, baby. Ooh, the <laughs> 1%. 1%. Uh, my favorite percentage. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I don't hate this for some weird reason. Uh, this that's str- I don't love it, though. I don't like love something it. something you'd hate. I know, right? Weird. Maybe I was caught up in the episode. Caught up in the crossfire. The crossfire. Uh, I think, like, the quickening itself is cool. Yeah. Mm. Just... The song takes me out of it. Yeah, maybe like, the song I don't with see no, where it or fits. The, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is a weird song choice. I couldn't figure out why was this song. It's such chosen. a triumphant thing. Yeah, to me, that's and then it's, it's positive. juxtaposed yeah. against like these awful images mm. that are supposed to make you, I guess, second. Are you supposed to be make you second guess Max' decision? Is that why this is happening? Maybe I don't. Oh, know. Oh yeah, good point. Because because now it's like showing like no, this is well, just like, like foreshadowing Hitler. Yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Huh. But so then, if that's what it's doing, why is the Hallelujah Chorus playing? Yeah, so write us in, listeners, and tell us what you think of this particular moment. Like, what does this mean to you? Is there some significance? I don't know. Maybe we should look at it again at some point and just, like, yeah, ponder. Are we, what are we missing something? Because this feels... Are any of the lyric choices in Beethoven's Ninth related to this in any way? Like, the verse they chose? I mean, it's in German. It's actually... I, by the way, I this forgot to notice. Wait, is is this an English language version? Wait. Isn't the Hallelujah Chorus Hayden? Is the Hallelujah Chorus? I think it's Ode to Joy. Yeah, it is. Oh, then it is Ode to Joy. Ode to Joy. Yes, sorry. 
clarified. Yes, it is not Hallelujah Chorus. That is my mistake. But is, is, I can't remember if the lyrics they're singing are the English version or the German version. Like, I'm did pretty the sure like, what's a, ger- what's the a German. famous German song? Like, let's yeah. pick this I'm poem. I'm pretty sure it's the German. They just sing O Tannenbaum. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Also write into us where you think Mytho, Mythos went during all this. Right. He's getting into it. Maybe he's like, this guy's got something. Yeah, because it's like, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Elixir. Maybe this is what inspires him in the next episode. He's like, you know what? I could swing this way a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh... Jews. <laughs> uh, so the to cap this scene off, Kyle's losing it right now. So, very good. <laughs> so to cap this off, uh, Mac picks up Ingrid's body. Carries her away, her and now we get a VO. Corpse. Her headless corpse. Uh, if you get the chance, go back and watch the recording that we did of at the 25th anniversary gathering <laughs> of Clay Boris <laughs> discussing this scene with oh, Richard yeah. Martin. Right, at the director's panel we filmed. And uh, he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck is <laughs> this? Nobody asked anything about this shit until you came. <laughs> what happens to the body and the head? <laughs> yeah, because this is indeed seems to be the first time we get a treatment of the body by Mac as right. he carries her headless corpse away from this garbage alley. Presumably not her head, though. Yeah. Right. So he, go back maybe Mythos gets the head. Yeah. But and I'll form the, the head. Voltron. And then we get a VO of the inspector once again saying, you know, when I was a child, it was all black and white, but now it's gray. Uh, I personally love this. I, I had not seen this episode in a very long time. And so my last exposure to the scene was literally Clay Barr saying, like, what the fuck, man? Like, why did you bring this up? It's a fantasy show. Just forget it. Like, the swords come from who knows where. It doesn't matter. Uh, and I was like, wow, maybe it is really silly. I thought it was great. I love that he it's picked a, her up. It's a great image. It's yeah. so just like, don't think about it. It works. And it does make sense in this instance. Like, everybody thinks she's dead. Already. Yeah. Right. right. So, like, Until they find her head in that alley. Right. <laughs> Until they find her, her head. head. So if the, that, that same detective finds her corpse, right. that could cause some problems. So we now cut to the route, like, the I don't know, outside after the rally. Uh, the cops are there. What are the cops doing there? Well, I guess there was a oh, big explosion outside. I guess so. And I guess they're probably confiscating the bomb. At first, I was like, oh, they're probably coming because of the murder. But no, that's probably not it. Yeah. And also, probably a good idea to have cops on hand when a bunch of white supremacists are doing anything. So. Sure. Yep. Uh, a there's a bunch of people outside congratulating Wilkinson on his spe- good, good speech. Great speech. Great speech. You know, Mythos ends up joining up with Mac. The moon is in the sky. It looks very nice. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, now we get some, like, fucking heavy shit. As uh, Mythos just makes his friend feel even worse. <laughs> yep. So Mac is like, well, what is the difference between what I did and what she wanted to do? And Mythos is like, oh, it's the chicken or the egg thing or whatever. And Mac is like, well, do you mean there's, like, no answer here? And Mythos basically gives him an answer, which is like, I don't know if you're ready for the answer. Which I think means there is no difference between what you did and what she did. And then Mac asks, he's like, well, I love this. Mythos goes on to be like, you know, Hitler did what he did. Like, you guys judged him. Then Igor did, or I guess it's Igor. Igor did what he did. She judged him. Wilkinson did shit. She was judging him. And then you judged Ingrid. Yeah. And then then who judges me? And he's just like, hmm. Good question. Good Bye. question. Let's get food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is great. That is something that's kind of interesting that Mythos, obviously, he's like, a, like they pr- present him like he's kind of like this young, snarky kid. But his wisdom, insofar as you can call it that, that's like always being interjected is basically like this point of like, 
oh no, you will never figure this out. And the right. answer doesn't matter. He's almost got like not quite an amoral perspective, but he's just like, you aren't going to do it. The thing, like, you are not important. Your decisions do not matter. Let it go. And that's, like, his kernel of wisdom that he's constantly introducing to the thing. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that the mouthpiece for that is the 5,000-year-old man. Yeah. I like that he doesn't underestimate Mac. He's just kind of like, you you know. You know what's going on here. Yeah, because he knows the whole time. Yeah. And, like, you know, people just, like, kind of live in bad faith and don't want to face, like, even including Mac, don't want to acknowledge this kind of stuff. It's like, right. Mac, you're asking these questions because you know, not because you want the answer, but because you know the answer. Yeah. And you're just, like, looking for a way out. Like, you're looking for a way out of a hard truth. Mm -hmm. And this happens in the next episode, which we'll talk about as well, because this theme, I think, has continued a little further when, yeah. you know, people have to question their own actions and, again, how you judge people. So that is this episode episode you guys want to lighten the mood with a game game time all right we are gonna play a little game that we actually haven't played in a while it is called imdb keywords Ooh. oh i uh oh i have this uh... prepared for a later game too oh no nice. uh -oh. oh boy i was surprised to hear that. Anyway, uh, in any case, the way this game works is I'm going to read a series of actual keywords from the website Internet Movie Database in order from least specific to most specific to the or but let me phrase that most identifiable to the episode to least identifiable sure. to the episode. You'll each get one guess per clue that I read off. But I'm not going to wait very long for you guys to, like, think of one. So be quick. Most of them have seven possible clues. Okay. And you will get uh, basically one point for each clue I haven't given yet. Right. So if you get it on the last clue, it's only worth one point. If you get it on, like, a really dumb early clue, like 1800s, you'll get... More you points. Know, you'll get seven points. Are you ready? Ready. Yes. Trying to guess the episode. All right. First clue. 18th century. 1780s. English nobility. Somerset, England. Uh, the vampire. Duchess. Uh, uh, leader of the pack. Yes. Fuck you. Leader of the pack. Dick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was worth. You mean Dick Tiger? Yeah. Dick, Dick Tiger. Tiger. Or Dick Tiger over here. Tiger. Dick Tiger. Tiger. All right. That's three points for Keith. Good job, Keithy. Question the second. 19th century. 1830s. Megalomania. The Valkyrie. <laughs> Reference to Satan. Uh, uh, Littleton God. Yes. Damn it. That is another... Megalomania. Three <laughs> points for Keith. The other clues would have been reference to God. God complex. Ooh, reference to God. Yeah. Natives. Natives. All right. Question the third. 19th century. 1810s. <sighs> Ready for this one? Priest. Next one. Catholic priest. Those are separate IMDb keywords. Hmm. Brothers in arms. Murder of a priest. Oh. Uh... Female teacher. Murder of a teacher. Legacy? Montana. Cross. Cross of St. Anthony. Yes. <laughs> uh, damn it. <laughs> Keith. That was worth only one point. Wow. Because you got it on the final one. There was a Catholic... Oh, I guess there was in the when they were baptized. Yeah, he got murdered. I forgot yeah. about that. He, huh. I'm pretty sure he murders multiple Catholic Who's the female that. teacher in... 
the female teacher who tries to teach him to read, and then he murders That's her. That's right. Oh, right. I, in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, like oh. Amanda, you know, like an immortal, an immortal ally. Exactly. Yeah. Nope. Teacher, murder of a teacher. All right. Priest, Catholic priest, murder of a priest. <laughs> I was thinking of when Darius is a Catholic priest. Sometimes that? being a Catholic priest is Cat- harder than other times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when they have to touch the little oh, children. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Edit that out. Or not. I don't know. Third question. You still have time to make this up. I don't think I do. <laughs> well, no. mathematically you do. Whether you do in reality, only you can answer that. <laughs> the reality stone. Yeah. <laughs> you need the reality stone in order to do this. That's right. Question the fourth. 17th century. 1660s. Inner demons. Three glass darkly. Hidden agenda. Ooh. Witch hunt. Oh, fuck. Um, Prophecy? Paranormal. Shadows. Yes. Ah! Uh, Shadows. Because there is a a literal witch burning in that, right? That's right. Or not not a literal witch burning, because the woman's not a witch. (laughs) Or the man, or whoever it is. Garrick. The Ghost of Christmas Future. All right. It is currently four to seven Ooh. in favor of Keith. So this is the last big one Uh-oh. to pull it off. Are there Let's smaller see. ones after this? There's one <laughs> There's one baby one oh, to follow. Okay. Baby demon or That's baby, right. baby, baby monsters. monsters. <laughs> baby monsters. Yeah. 17th century. 1660s. Normandy. Love triangle. Uh. Possessiveness. Immortal Chimoli. Obsession? Possessive love. Till death? Reluctance to kill. Female painter. Oh. Oh, chivalry. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> that was worth two points for Keith. Normandy. Where are they in Normandy? Sealing the wind. Uh, I think that's where she lives. France. Did they say that? I guess they did. I think in the... Maybe. Maybe they did. I don't remember. Wow. Either way, it's that? an IMDb keyword. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. They were in Normandy? <laughs> and, yeah. And this will be a, a last one for fun. Because uh, I lost. <laughs> this one's for honor. You can, you know what? I was only going to read two, but I'm going to read four to give you the chance to Ooh. not quite tie it up, but close. 1650s. Mentor-student relationship. Mm. Companionship. And my favorite one, begging for one's life. <laughs> Uh, Hold on. Uh, 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 end of innocence. Correct. Oh, excellent job. That last one was for honor. <laughs> yeah, and you've honored yourself. Congratulations. He shamed, he shamed me. He shamed <laughs> he me. Shamed me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unlike Duncan McLeod, you've been honored the, with a final score of nine to five. Like my job. Oh, Keith is the winner. Congratulations. Or like that Dolly Parton movie. Yeah. Keith. Dolly Parton titties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jolene. Congratulations, Keith. You Thank you very much. I, I don't winner. win often, so uh, that was fun. That was fun and cool, as I say. That yeah. was cool. Normandy, cool. <laughs> so before we talk about this episode, do you guys want to talk about the Watcher Chronicles? Let's do it. Ooh, what are the odds they refer to Wilkinson as a slime <laughs> or something? Oh, yeah. Occupation slug. Well, I did, not, I did not give you guys Wilkinson's chronicle. Sorry. He has one? I don't know if he does. I didn't get it. I, I'd have to check. I apologize. Occupation. Real American. <laughs> <laughs> A true patriot, right? 
Uh, just just one Watcher Chronicle for this episode. We're going to be talking about Ingrid Henning. Imagine if there was a Hitler one for this, too. Oh, God. Occupation bad guy. <laughs> Occupation bad guy. All right, Ingrid, known alias is Rivka Wasserman. Was that her prostitute name? I don't know. It uh, doesn't really roll off the tongue. Inga yeah. Svensson or Kathy Stevens? Kathy Stevens. Kathy. Ack. Yeah. Ack. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Ack. That sound German. Ack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Born 1830 in Berlin. First death, 1859. Beaten to death by abusive husband. Ooh. Oh, boy. Boy. That's dark. Yes. Uh, first teacher, Werner Tenen. Cultural affiliation, German. Recent base of operation, no fixed address. Occupation, assassin. And her chronicle reads, After 50 years of trying, Ingrid never believed she had atoned for her one moment of failure. A thousand years, it wouldn't have been enough in her mind. For a century, she had kept herself apart from mortal politics, content to live her own life. Even in the early part of this century, when she traveled in the social circles of the socialists and communists, it was all an intellectual pursuit. So wait. When that German, like when the brown shirt guy was like, oh, you, this guy's, this Jewish guy's run to his communist friends. He was like, at least descriptively being accurate. I guess so. <laughs> that she is in fact a communist. Yeah, Ooh. I guess so. How about that? Fascinating. Go on. It was all an intellectual pursuit. It had no bearing for her on her daily life. It took Hitler and the Nazis to bring her out of her warm cocoon, warm cocoon, and make her see what was going on around her. She was convinced she had to act, but when the moment came when her action would, would matter the most, she found she couldn't. Her life stopped at that moment. The Ingrid that left Wolf Slayer that night no longer had a life, only a mission, to return from her inability to kill by killing. She'd become a killing machine. Oh, boy. <laughs> and she would never have killed enough to make peace with herself. Yikes. Yowza. That's dark. Yeah. <laughs> Very. I mean, it's a dark episode. Yeah. yeah. So what do we it's think? Not, this is not a feel-goodery. No. I feel like we did a lot of substantive moral discussion kind of in the midst of this episode. But is, are there any depths we feel we haven't plumbed? Keith, I feel like you had a couple thoughts that uh, you held in abeyance until the end. Abeyance? Is that like a Beyonce thing? Yeah, she's great. Oh, so a thing I was curious about earlier and wanted to pose kind of this moral question is, you know, Mac is, of course, you know, debating with Joe and Meet. There's like, well, what do I do in this situation? Like, I kind of agree with her. I kind of don't agree with her. What about the moral stance to not take action at all that it well that's a moral stance that assumes inactivity isn't an action uh, well exactly that's where it, where, it, where it gets dicey but mac is like do i do i am i responsible to save this person versus like i mean like it's like do i act to save them do i act to stop her like what about just not doing anything mm. and letting the pieces like because obviously this is like tear, tearing him apart but yeah i don't know there's another choice just to not do anything which i suppose maybe is the same choice as letting her do it or like i don't know but i feel like there is uh well that would appear to be the position that mythos is advocating right he seems to think well, well she shouldn't be doing this but you shouldn't get involved either like yeah i don't know something that like, kind of give me pause what does that make you that doesn't make you any different and indeed her. the most trotted out cliche about the nazi era is you know oh it takes for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing one of the main takeaways of the nazis is indeed that inaction is often a reprehensible moral choice true oh that's an interesting that's point. thing i didn't think about yeah i i feel like i side with mac in that stopping her from blowing up this community center full of people is probably the right thing to do i think that's 
definitely the right thing to do. Yeah. What about, I, I am not as sure when the plot was originally just, I shoot this guy. That, yeah. I was just going to ask, that's, what do you feel I, about that? I also aspect. think that's probably the right thing to do, but I'm like... You think the right thing to do is to shoot the people? No, the oh, right okay. thing is... I still think the right thing is to stop her, but I don't think it's... Once it's a bomb in a room full of bystanders, I don't think it's close. Right. Yeah. Yeah, even the assassin. I mean, this guy's a bad guy. He's, like, clearly killed people, but he should be... Our only source of information on that is Ingrid, who asserts that there are these unsolved crimes that he is connected to. That it's most likely he did, but... Because Mac asked for that. He's like, well, let's find the proof, and then... Right. But that's not an option. Unsolved mysteries, if you will. That's right. Right. Because then it's just like... (laughs) But she's not doing this because she's being a vigilante. You know what I mean? She's not trying to punish a crime. She's on, like, a crazed quest. For all we know, this guy could have a change of heart it's probably not likely but there have been like reformed racists yeah reformed monsters of all stripes right have come and gone throughout time so she's kind of making a judgment it's just all very tricky yeah no this is not an easy question this show raises so many complicated moral questions but the ones that work are when they don't when the main characters don't treat it like it's easy because yeah. there are a bunch of ones where it's like, wow, that's a really complicated question. And they're like, oh, I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. Mac often is like, no, that's the, the wrong thing to do. And, and it's, it's like, why? Why do you think that? Like, Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, it might be the wrong thing. You can't be just good cavalier about it. Like, duh. Like, well, yeah, then and- like the game comes into it. Well, on the, on the end of Innocence episode, Mac is like, I have to kill what's his face because he shamed me. He shamed me. It's like, no, you don't. And yeah. it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, also, this is a great moral question because oftentimes these moral questions are given to... Like, they're fantastical in the sense that we've taken a normal question like blind faith. Like, when do you forgive somebody? Which is something we all get to deal with in our day-to-day life. But we also only live so many years. And, like, time, you know, like, that really is factored into our perception of morality in general. It's like, well, we only exist in, in this reality, as it were. So everything is kind of based on how we interact with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, now people can live a thousand years. And so it's like, well, if we push these moral ideas to the limit like oh after a thousand years do you get to forgive somebody it's like oh like isn't that interesting it's an interesting moral or it's an interesting intellectual exercise but is has no real bearing on anything i like that this is like an actual moral question that is real like neither of these characters need to be mortal or immortal for this question to be relevant right or or to tackle it in the way they're tackling it right now the immortality piece of this is really a characterization point Mm -hmm. it's like it's used to explain why ingrid is so driven and why she believes the things she believes right but it is not the underlying source of the moral conflict right like uh what episode did you just reference blind faith blind faith with kieran and cage the immortality is a big part of the reason for the complexity yeah is that like this man could never be punished for what he's done by any means outside the like the game. And there are a lot of examples like that throughout the episode. This is kind of a pure utilitarian kind of calculus that, you know, certainly our governments make all the time. Mm-hmm. I thought some of the special features were kind of funny. Richard Martin's quite the character. I don't know if anyone picked up this this was recorded in 2003 and you can tell because richard martin is relaying like oh like well how why is wilkinson so dangerous like you have these people these fascists that take over and he's like they get you to think the way they want you to think they make the people vote the way they want you to vote they can get you to go to war they can make you believe that weapons of mass uh and then he just goes on it's great it's like oh yeah how about that oh, yeah how about that how about that yeah. hey 
I wish we didn't yet get lied into a war with Iran. Hey, it's almost like the same cast of characters is back trying to get us to do the exact same thing. (laughs) They all watch the episode of Highlander. That's right. They're like, I got an idea. Yeah. Anything else to say about this? I don't know. This is. uh, I don't know. I I feel like we did a. We talked a lot. We We covered a lot of this stuff throughout the episode. But listeners, if you think we missed something. A moral nugget that we have uh, moral, moral nugget. nugget that we have not excavated from the sweet, sweet earth of this episode. Let us know, yeah, because there's a lot here that you know. I feel like not that we didn't cover it in some sense, but you could really plumb the depths of these, the moral questions raised in this. In fact. When I was a philosophy major, I had to read books on subjects. Not too unlike a lot of the, the moral questions that are here. So this is, you know, an unending subject for discussion in some ways. Sure. Well, Kyle, you won the earlier catalog game, so that means you get to give your star rating first. So I will ask you, how many punches to Richard Spencer's face would you give this episode? Ooh, that's the moral question we haven't discussed, is <laughs> is it moral to punch a Nazi in a liberal democracy? Mm. Obviously, Ingrid thinks so. That's right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that this episode, among the best moral questions that's ever been developed, interesting flashbacks, incredible performances from Mac, Ingrid, police officer whose name I can't remember. They're dynamite. The right and some really world-class writing on this one, you know? So the only thing that I fault this for is I feel like with the Ode to Joy moment and the killing of the random police officer are two things that kind of take me way out of this episode. But despite that, this episode gets a 4.5. hey This is real essential stuff and a great introduction to uh, friend of the pod, Richard Martin. Absolutely. Amen. Yes, sir. How many Proud Boys would you give this episode? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I was trying to keep current with <laughs> we're the... Keeping, uh, we're keeping with the theme here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to say zero. Right. But I think, you know, I, I think 4.5 is the way to go. Mm. There are a few things I don't like. I don't like the guy that plays Hitler. Nope. Bad. <laughs> I think that is a bad performance. Especially because the lines are so over the top that it yeah. makes it like... It really needed to be sold by someone if the lines were going to read that way. And right. Then, mm. And he's just kind of like... The hand of God himself. He's like the Tasmanian devil. Of fascism. Of, of fascism. <laughs> and then when he just comes out from behind a bush. That's <laughs> ridiculous. I was like, make him pull up in a car. Right. Or something. It's just like, <laughs> I was back here. <laughs> um, the other thing that makes this not a five for me is there's no sword fight in the episode, really. Oh, That's a fair point. I didn't even, think I, of, I didn't even notice. See, in my head, the lack, perfect, of a, uh, the lack of a sword fight really amps to me the emotional tension it of that does. choice. It's good. I feel like a perfect Highlander episode has to have a sword. Fight. Yeah, is there like a real action beat in this episode? When he beats up the, the brown shirts, this kid. Yeah. Is that the closest thing I we've think got? so. And that's cool. That's well done. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. There isn't like any... This isn't not an action-heavy episode. Which is crazy that an episode literally about World War II and Nazis doesn't have a lot of action right like so, the uh, immortal sins there was like gun like shootouts and stuff like with the the rebels you know the, yeah the freedom fighters so huh. and of course a sword fight oh yeah and it did have that sword fight at the yeah. end yeah so a lot of restraint in this episode yeah. and jan trisco plays the breslov the detective or inspector this is one of the best performances of the series it's good i think and a really memorable character yeah yeah like, like hands down best cop Ever? Yes. Uh, not even close. Yeah. It's like a by a long yeah. shot. They gave him kicks like, the shit out of Stoush. Yeah. Beckett was one Beckett? Beckett. Bennett. 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 Sorry. Bennett. He's the OG cop. OG. That's right. 
Not because he's black, but because he was the first one. Oh, right. boy. <laughs> yeah, so he he's like, his performance alone elevates this episode and like as a stark contrast to that Hitler performance. Yeah. And Ingrid, Ingrid is very good, too. She is good. Yeah. Yeah, so this is just this is a really good episode, mm-hmm. and it's a must watch. Keith, how many tiki torches would you get this episode? <laughs> it's funny that I have that written down here too. And Do you possible things to ask you guys? The other one I had, I had four possible options. The other was how many good people on both sides would you give this? Episode? Oh no, <laughs> great folks, but great folks. That's right. Uh, I will sadly disagree with you two. Actually, and give it a five. Yeah, no, I'm gonna give it a five. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, I I think this episode is great. I do recognize th- there are issues like the Hitler guy, not not the greatest. Like also, those are hard parts to play. I How think do, no, it, is, it is very hard having like, to play Hitler. Yeah, yeah, it's like what do you bring to that part? You know that hasn't already been brought, right? But, <laughs> oh god, god. <laughs> but like, yeah, th- those sort of roles are hard to fill, Thankless. especially for a TV role that yeah. you know it's kind of cartoony anyway. Yeah, it's like um, one day of shooting. I don't think I faulted so much for the murder of the cop. I think the anal- like it's not the the cleanest analogy they try to make. Yeah. Not great, but I get what they were kind of going for that she feels like she she will stop at nothing to get this mission done and I'm like I get it. Like I, if that's the point of this more interesting in another setup. Mm-hmm. Like in a setup where it feels more commensurate to the situation sure. at hand. Um I thought AP crushes it in this episode like he is so like he does so much just with his like eyes and face like to communicate like how hard this is uh which is great yeah it's funny Eamon you mentioned like oh there's no sword fight I didn't even realize like I think maybe because there is a quickening you kind of think it's like oh well there was a quickening there's a fight no there isn't like uh I think this episode actually does a great job of lifting all that tension up without the sword fight which Mm -hmm. is nuts uh yeah i give it a five i think this is one of could this be my favorite highlander episode it's possible Ooh. like aside from maybe a sword fight you're right like yeah. it doesn't have that like quintessential highlandery thing although it does have a you know a decapitation so sure uh quintessential highlander yeah, yeah. That's i right. mean decapitation is quintessential <laughs> i suppose yeah uh but no i mean i feel like this episode hits everything i wanted to hit so hitler it lures everything that's yeah. right <laughs> no it's a winner so it's a five for me yeah yeah there we go. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. Write us at HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Tell us what you think about the Ode to Joy thing. I don't know. Tell us anything. Like, what do you think of the boxing thing? We didn't talk about that much. I was kind of curious. Like, did, do you guys is think that, that plays that into any, anything? Dumb. I hated it. It's just, yeah, it's just a weird rando thing in the beginning that is given too much time. They, it's like a mew. It's mechanical. It's to put them yeah. together. Yeah. It's that this this is a space that's multifunctional and that gives him a, a reason to bump into Ingrid. Right. All like the boxing acting around, like the spectators watching the Mac match around them was so goofy. And, right. and <laughs> Mac yelling yeah. advice yelling, at the guy. Yeah, like yeah. Some, oh, left wa- to go, I told you. Like somebody's washed up dad. Yeah. Trying to live vicariously it's like a, through a his fight kid at, on the field. Yeah, a fight at a like little league game or <laughs> yeah. something. Like, oh, come on, Mac. Mac, by the way, Mac, AP, like, ruins it. Did you see that on the special features? He does not like the popcorn. Yeah. This takes, like, five minutes. Like, they still roll, and he's like, no, cut. He makes them cut the film. So he can, like, like, this fucking popcorn. He's like, it has mold on it or something. He really did not like that popcorn. It didn't have mold on it. Right? No way it had mold on it. Come on, AP. When did they make it? Three days ago? Very good. Anyway, uh, so write us and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us. Next week, we're going to be talking about episode 11 of season five, Comes a Horseman. Another heavy hitter. 99. Or in my German, 99. Oh, how many loop balloons? (laughs) 
Oh, 99 Lift Balloons. Yeah, Nana. Maybe that, that's what should have been playing during that quickening. Oh, my God. We should recut it with 99 Lift Balloons. Let's that's a it. great song. Nana. Nana, 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 Nana. Anyway. All right. Thanks. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye. Hey, yo, 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 what's up? Mommy, 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 daddy, 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 mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy.